Welcome to Politics on the Rocks, episode 25. That was Cameron. Who was that? Who was that? I don't know. You, you gave me the song. I know. It's re- the song. The song title. Rita, Rita, Rita is, is gone. gone. Rita yeah. is gone. Bye. I, I, uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Just give me one second. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Welcome to Politics on the Rocks, episode 25. That yeah. was... Yeah. Rita is gone by the Marcus <laughs> King band. That's we'll, who that was. <laughs> we'll cut that first part out. No, no, no. no, no we leave it. We leave it. Hey, leave hey, it. hey, Chris. Let's roll with it. In uncut. <laughs> if, you haven't, if you can't tell, this is the actually the end of the episode at uh, the beginning of the episode. Ten <laughs> inches uncut. <laughs> hey, so, uh, well, sounds like, uh, yeah, so I'm your host, Nick. I have my three co-hosts with me. To my right, Chris. Hey there. To across to my right, Boogie. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> across the table from me, Cameron. Good day. Lady. And he has our host, hostess with the our special guest host. Yeah, special guest of this evening is Chattanooga Whiskey. We got the vibe bottle this afternoon. It's very good. <laughs> very tasty. Uh, it's gone, and it has been for a long time. Yeah, this <laughs> is we- so we <laughs> <did> it- <laughs> <laughs> we did a, a super fun episode. Um, all um, so there's four of us on the podcast, and there's two of our very good friends on Foreign Domestic Unfiltered podcast, and we all watched the documentary uh, or the January sixth documentary um, that Tucker Carlson with Fox Nation produced. And uh, we had a, a super fun conversation. Right, that was a good conversation. That was a fun conversation. Yeah, right? those guys are awesome. Yeah, th- yeah, we love those guys, man. We had a lot of um, a lot of very similar views and a lot of very uh, you know, nuanced uh, views on it, and it promoted a, a, a super fun conversation. I mean, you guys want to talk about it bef- at, at all before, Chris? Yeah, I mean, Bucky, I think Cam. I guess uh, just. You know, you, you guys are you guys are gonna get into it, and you'll you'll see. You know, yeah. but that's uh, that's the fun thing about um, you know doing this this type of podcast where um, you have the four of us who are kind of like free market libertarians, and um, Ramon and Pater from uh, the um, uh, foreign and domestic unfiltered podcast, who are more of uh, I know. Ramon describes himself as a social democrat. Uh, Pater, I'm not really sure uh, where he lies. He didn't really elaborate what exactly. Maybe he agrees with that. But uh, yeah, they definitely have you know different views from what we yeah. the way we see things. Yeah. So it, it promoted a good conversation. It was a lot that. of fun, man. We had we had I think overwhelmingly all six of us. And yeah, I'm I know I'm speaking for Ramon and Pater on foreign and domestic unfiltered, but. We had a lot of fun, man, on Politics on the Rock. So I, I hope they had just as much fun as we did. But, um, yeah, that was the conversation for tonight. 
Um, anybody else want to say anything before we I, I jump would, in? I would just say that, like, it's going to be really helpful for you to watch that documentary. Yeah. You know, otherwise you're not going to know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you get the idea. We're talking about January 6th. Yep. Um, the uh, insurrection at the Capitol. Um, but uh, I, I think it's helpful if you watch that document. If you don't, I mean, you'll still get, I think, maybe the gist of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a good conversation. I like those guys. They're real cool. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to, um, after this episode, I think I think all of us agree that we're going to try and do, you know, something uh, more often, I think, with them. Because uh, they have a lot of very similar views, but... Just nuanced enough that, uh, you know, it, it promotes a, a really fun conversation, a lot of differences, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you guys will enjoy it. So, um, grab a stick, grab a glass, kick back, and relax. And what is, uh, Politics Rox here for this week? Inspiration. In, in, uh, you say, Enjoy. Yeah. We'll cut that first part out. Politics on the rocks, your source for inspiration and joy. Enjoy. Just so, so everybody knows, the name of our show is Foreign and Domestic, Unfiltered, and your guys' show is? Politics on the Rocks. Fitting for how we normally get Very. hammered doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was trying to explain it to Patter, like, what is, what, what, in your own words, what is the shtick of how you guys do this? Because I think, like, I've listened to enough episodes, but I just want to hear, like, how do you choose, oh, what's your process for what drinks you choose and stuff like that? Uh, I think how we choose them is basically whatever looks good in, uh, you know, the, the <laughs> liquor store. We have this, uh, this dude, uh, Brandon, Brandon, right? Brandon? Yeah. Brandon Mock, he owns a, um, he owns a pretty sweet little liquor shop in town and, uh, super knowledgeable guy. He knows all about bourbons, whiskeys, scotches, pretty much anything aged. Um, so we get a lot of help from him in regards to what to pick. Uh, nice. Yeah. So, Which liquor store is this? Uh, it's called, it's called Mock, right? Yeah. M A W K and it's in, uh, Vero Beach, Florida. Cool. Nice. Yeah, it's a yeah, little heat. Florida boys, Pat. I mentioned that, right? Yeah. yeah. No, you didn't. I thought they were fucking from around the way. No I'm wonder so they're bad. sitting on their porch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's beautiful <laughs> out here. It's like 61 <laughs> degrees and we're like wearing jackets no and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is, uh, Chris is, uh, he was one of Peter's best men, uh, at the wedding that I, ah, okay. that's yeah. how we met. Yeah, yeah uh, so we met there and then, uh, and then, yeah, we both just kind of found out we had podcasts and, uh, started talking about that. I remember we, we were like an hour and a half into like a heated debate on economics and I was like, alright, we gotta go play some beer pong or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so wait, this, <laughs> Ramon, just... this is a wedding. <laughs> this was the wedding you just got back from, right, Chris? Yeah. Oh, nice, yeah, man. September. Well, hey, man, congratulations on uh, tying the knot. That's exciting. No, I don't think he got married. Oh, no. I yeah, didn't get married. <laughs> I married my sister-in-law. Oh. So, uh, well, congratulations, sir. Oh, it's all sorts of fucked up up here. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, t- for, oh, for, for our listeners, tell, uh, you know, give them uh, kind of insight to what you guys do. Pattern? You want to take it? Uh, yeah, so this is foreign and domestic unfiltered. Um, I guess the name would suggest that we're drinking foreign and domestic beers, which, <laughs> you know, we kind of uh, 
thought about having that, but we do drink beer plenty on it on the on the podcast. But we nice. um, really we tackle and kind of dissect current affairs issues, both obviously domestically, uh, U.S. centered, as well as uh, foreign issues, as well, and just kind of you know poke holes, poke fun. Um, chop it up a policy interview um, local candidates and yeah just generally kind of get through all the the shite that you normally see in just a you know plain politics and, and kind of have a pragmatic approach to uh, you know foreign and domestic affairs solid yeah you guys sound like you do a little bit more uh, professional version of what we do <laughs> <laughs> like more organized it sounds that way yeah <laughs> I know they ask us it, what it we do. It seems like it on the surface, but it's not. It's really not. It's, <laughs> yeah, they're like, what, we're, so we're what do you guys uh, do? And we were just like, drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, shit. So but also important, important perspective, uh, an important context is uh, the reason why I thought this would be such a great episode is because obviously like Chris is, you know, he's libertarian and, you know, we're, we're, we're on the left. We're to the left of the Democratic Party, I'd say. Right, Pat? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would consider myself a democratic socialist. Uh, Chris is aware. We had, I always love, I, it, it's always fun. Every like libertarian buddy I've had, oh, I always have the best conversations with. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, because it, it's, it's like this interesting point where it's like, oh, we can all agree, like, fuck the establishment. But, like, right. <laughs> you know, where does the, um, I feel like I have better policy discussions because a lot of the libertarians I talk to are, sort of removed enough from the status quo of what things are where they don't feel the like knee-jerk need to defend what's happening in either party right that tribe and then you can sort of have like right you can have more of an honest like what is your like how do you actually feel about this thing and even if you don't agree with it like you know you can still like oh this isn't just some guy who's like spitting out a tucker carlson talking point or you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. whatever yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, so, yeah, no, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, people who don't identify with this uh, duopoly kind of system we have naturally produces a better conversation because you lose that tribalism, you lose all that ego with, uh, you know, being affiliated with one party versus the other, and you can genuinely bounce, you know, good ideas that you hold to your values off of each other, and it's just a way, way more fun conversation. Yeah, and in an ideal society, that's why how government would be run. But we know that such is the stranglehold of the two parties here that it's hard to get anything done, as you're seeing. Right, <laughs> right. So yeah, so today we all uh, throughout the week, or you know, I, don't, I don't even know when the uh, documentary came out, but we all, all for six of us, <laughs> watched the uh, uh, patriot patriot purge, purge of the patriots. Yeah, patriot purge. Patriot purge. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, we've already had a couple glasses, so but uh so we all watched that and that's that's what we're here to ultimately talk about, right? Our kind of take on the you know, just the the whole idea of it and how it was portrayed and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, and for for reference for context folks, it's the Tucker Carlson's new documentary, uh mini doc mini docu series. Uh there's three parts, I believe, right guys? Um Yeah, yep. it's like three twenty five uh, minute I, parts or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's only available on Fox Nation. Never thought I'd put a Fox Nation vlog <laughs> on my podcast. Run <laughs> 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 the upside down. Join well, come to the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh but yeah, you know, hey, 
any any of our fans that are gonna end up listening to this, you know, you know my credo. Uh, you 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 got to do your Apple research, even if yeah, you don't exactly. agree with it. You got it's the right wing's got propaganda on lock smash, and that's what yeah. this thing was, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, and it, it's the it's the most effective propaganda I've seen in my political lifetime. So we can get into so, it. Yeah, there's a lot of propaganda <laughs> out there nowadays. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so, uh, so, so me and, thought, oh no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna, I was just gonna say, um, Ramon really hooked me with, was it I who sent you the, no, you sent me the, like the promo clip for it? Oh, or did yeah, I send, did I send no, it to you? I don't know, but just watching it, I was like, oh, I have to watch this. <laughs> I was like, this is disgustingly propagandish. Uh, just the music and everything was like, oh. January 6th, they want to think. I was like, oh my God, I have to watch this. What I thought was interesting is it started off, you know, uh, you know, the first 10 seconds, they're calling stuff the gulag and, you know, the war on terror 2.0. I was like, okay, so they're setting the scene right away. Um, and it was just from there, it was everything I expected it to be. Um, you know, very stern, uh, I smell shit. Tucker Carlson looking face talking into the camera. Um, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't as, as much of that as I expected, honestly. <laughs> what? Is, is it me or does Tucker Carlson always look surprised? At nighttime, he gets more smell of his shit, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to agree that, uh, that that's what hit me first, too, is the opening and throughout the whole documentary series was the. Uh, they definitely try to set that tone with the music. And the imagery that they would mm-hmm. kind of show and blink through, and that's the stuff I typically dislike in any documentaries. Once they try to, you mm-hmm. know, play with your feelings, play with your emotions. Yeah, they, they try to um, try to invoke emotion into it. I was gonna say one thing mm-hmm. I I did like though about that, you know, how they were kind of they brought up the war on terror a lot, and and uh, Tucker's. I mean, he's maybe one of the only people on mainstream news that actually like gets into that stuff and kind of calls out the U.S. government for a lot of the shit they've done over there. So, I thought that yeah, was good, that's, but... that's actually... <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I was going to agree with you on that. I was like, as I was watching it, they did, like, numerous times hark back to the original War on Terror and how, like... Uh, and I, I had to laugh and they were kind of shown... And Tucker was saying, like, numerous times the U.S. government has worked with... Uh, you know, ISIS uh, to defeat, you know, um, uh, fucking Syrian forces and, and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, I actually agree with him on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was like the only thing in the whole documentary, though. <laughs> I mean, the best part the best part of it for me, and like we can get into, you know, like more specific instances of stuff, but just like I agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, the, this is why, though, like, if this is a big no-no on the left. I stick it in and say it often, though, because, I, you know, I'm, I'm honest, and I say it to people I know in real life. Like, Tucker is the one guy, like, I, he is, I call him the most dangerous man on the right, right? And the reason I say that is because, like, you know, if we did an episode on Rush Limbaugh, I have respect for propagandists on any side because it is an art and it is a craft. Mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson is so effective in his delivery and a lot of other things, but, like, like you said, I think it was what you mentioned, Chris, was he has always positioned himself against all of these, like, uh, uh, um, most of these Middle Eastern wars, for the most part. He's always been in that position, and 
he literally like i think he ended bush in this documentary like if this actually gets popular <laughs> and this has like play on the right this is like the nail in the coffin for that guy like it's already bad enough that like bush is like seen in opposition to trump and trump's mm-hmm. taking over the party but like this documentary just shits on george but, like oh, literally yeah. just showing his face like he's the He's the bad guy. One of the right. first oh, uh, was bad. One of the yeah. first scenes was that like mission accomplished banner on on the like aircraft carrier <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like right in the intro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tucker's trying to end the Bush dynasty, bro. Like yeah. he's he literally like the Cheney dynasty from whatever his reasons. <laughs> What's that? I said what? You mean the Cheney dynasty? Well, Same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, Bush's daddy. You know, what I mean? yeah. they, that family's got clout still, man. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! But all right, does anybody? So, who wants to hear? Well, we didn't really even discuss this. Who wants to? Chris, do you want to? Or one of you guys? Do you guys want to be like the main host here and guide us through uh, instances? So it's not just like all six of us crawling all over each other, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, do you got some notes uh, that you took over there? Uh, yeah, they were just kind of like, I don't know, not not really anything to guide a conversation, which maybe it, that's what, how I should have aimed the uh, notes. But. I kind of just have mine structured like episode by episode, kind of in order what they talked about, I guess. Yeah, maybe you'd be the moderator. Yeah, I think like you'd be better. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you're, um, the, you're the guy, you win. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I forgot to look this up, but I guess one of the, one of the things, one of the main themes was just how the media kind of like they, they do manipulate things to kind of fit what they're what they're trying to get across um and the the one of the first things they mentioned was how you know you repeat things and you repeat something enough times until it until it becomes true mm-hmm. and we we're, we're seeing that a lot with a whole whole bunch of different topics nowadays yeah and one thing um not to not to cut you off but i feel like this is a good uh, point to bring this up but they talked about that guy, uh, the officer Sicknick, how they yeah. reported that oh, he yeah. was killed, and then it turned out that he wasn't killed, and that he wasn't even attacked, and then they said, oh, he was attacked with pepper spray, and then, you know, they debunked that, and now, you know, that, that message has been repeated so many times, that even though it did come out later on that this guy, nothing really ever happened to him, it's still believed that this guy was murdered at the Capitol, you know what I mean? Kind of has like a Russian collusion vibes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he definitely died at the Capitol. Um, And I I would, I would actually stretch to say like he mightn't have died the ways that was reported. But I would say that if January sixth didn't happen, he probably would be still alive. You know what I'm saying? That's definitely Um, possible. Yeah, yeah, and it's but it is. You're you're 100 percent right. The way that these sound bites are just put out by media uh, all the time to kind of, you know, drill it into people's heads, uh, the message that they want you to hear. I, you know, that was another instance where, yeah, you know, Tucker, you do it as well, but you're definitely right in what you're saying. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's like what you said, uh, you know, he. it's possible that, you know, just because of the stress and whatever, you know, happened, he, he might have died by you know because of what was happening around them but um Mm -hmm. they can't just leave it at that you know they can't just like report on that and be like this guy died they have to like make some shit up to make it sound worse than what it was yeah right and 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 the thing is too like if you really looked into that because i followed it while it was happening like through the media cycle the whole time um 
the big the biggest reason that stuff like that happens isn't even and I, in this case i'm not you know obviously tucker's building the case for this was all grand conspiracy to um ostracize a group of to, to create political dissidents right basically mm-hmm. um but if you watched it happen in real time it's super simple uh for me it's occam's razor that all of these journal all these uh news organizations don't have don't fund investigative journalism anymore and mm-hmm. they literally just like have one guy report something and everyone runs with that for yeah. yeah yeah and they're then, more of like activists and then, the, pro- than and then the problem is a lot of the people doing the actual on the ground shit and they even show it in this documentary there were a bunch of left uh journalism journalists there and there were a bunch of right-wing uh journalists there that were independent journalists mm-hmm. and then what happens is the mainstream media will caricature and pick through whatever information they find from these people on the ground that are just like me or you with a fucking phone and a youtube channel <laughs> And then uh, they'll stamp it. They'll be like, oh, well, that's what really happened. And we're going to run with that. And that's that's part of the issue, right? Is like our fucking news, like they have so much clout now and have so much like chum bucket, SpongeBob, like brain mind control <laughs> over so many people, but actually do way like do no journalism, now. like very little, uh, especially TV journalism, uh, you know, print. Some people still do a decent job, but for the most part, like, no, they don't even spend money. How the fuck was there not anyone from any of these main organizations there? Oh, you they know what they I mean? need to be there. Is, like, you see what you're saying. <laughs> isn't that weird? You yeah, know big I mean? time. Yeah. I don't know. You sound like a conspiracy theorist there, Ramon. No, I just think that No, I think they just have disdain for like doing what their actual fucking job is supposed to be. You know, have you been watching Fox Nation on your downtime? Well, it's a right wing thing. This is just the facts. Like, you know, Peter, it's the reason. It's it's the reason it costs twenty dollars a month to read the New York Times now. Because yeah, like know, they're yeah. all monetized. It's all about. It's just a fucking enterprise now. It's not about Fuck doing thing. journalism. It's about making yeah. money. It's about speed to the take. Everyone wants to be first and feel like they're breaking some sort of news, um, and they want to be profound. And it has to be something that's entertaining, which is why you get headlines like "savagely beaten, yeah. with a fire extinguisher." Yeah, um, that's that's exactly why. Yeah. You know, so they have almost like prioritized being first and fast and being quick rather than right. Being they don't accurate. even need to be right. Being accurate, they just want yeah. to be the first ones there. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about that before, Ramon. How like I remember when I was growing up watching news back home. We used to watch Sky News and, and like um, local Irish news, and it would only be for you know proper breaking news that you would get the crier on at the end, you know, breaking news, fucking whatever, you know, something would happen. Now, if you flip onto any mainstream channel, there's breaking news constantly on the bottom. There's like so many like buzzy uh, sensory overload things that are supposed to be like, you know, going through your mind about what's happening right now. Um, and they really set the tone with that in, in the mainstream. Um, and and that's kind of speaks to uh, you know a lot of the issues that a lot of people have with mainstream is that they feel like uh, they overdo it way too much. And it, you're right; it's easier with with print because you ha- you properly have to digest what is there. It's not just a chiron, and then you kind of have to siphon through the context of it. You know. Hundred percent, Chris. You you gotta keep us on track here. We're we're we're, yep. we're on a wild tangent. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess while we're 
So, I mean, a, a lot of this was kind of just all centered around the media and how they're reporting things, right? Um, so, like, the other thing was how they uh, kind of characterized it as, a like, a white supremacist rally or something. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really see where they're... I, th- I think this is just one of those things that the media kind of latch it... They latch on to, like, a the buzzword or a term or something that they think is going to injure the opposition somehow. And then they just kind of run with mm-hmm. it. Um, they showed the one example with the guy, the organizer who was who was Muslim, and uh, you know, was very, very clearly not a white supremacist. <laughs> um, Ali Alexander. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And um, you know, yep. Yeah, I was going to say that it's funny because I've seen this guy before. Before the the stop the steal, he came up on a, a couple of things I was reading, a couple of things I was watching. Um, and it's, you know, in the history of time, it's not uncommon for, you know, a person of color to be used as, you know, a weapon within white supremacist groups. So, you know, that's something I kind of take out of the, 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 the kind of mix. Even, you know, he's black, he can't be uh, a weapon for white supremacy. Uh, he organized the Stop the Sea with, um, you know, Biggs, Brooks, and Gozar, which we know are pretty uh, intense uh, far-right uh, white supremacists, I would say. Uh, you know, certain, certain people would disagree, but if someone like Paul Gozar, you definitely couldn't. Um, he, Ali Alexander is actually one of the original um, birthers for uh, President Obama, which I thought was very interesting. That is. And Ramon, you like this. Uh, you'll like this, Ramon. He actually worked on Jim Tedesco's, you know, local politician oh Jim Tedesco. Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Because he <laughs> he's handy with, like, graphic design. and Bro, Tedesco's a fucking G. He's a fucking <laughs> He worked with Jim Tedesco <laughs> in, in setting up uh, websites and stuff and running his social. It's a, that's uh, a guy. That's a Republican in upstate New York that just he like, actually opens Democrats up here. Like, he, <laughs> he opened my wife's salon. He, he, opened, he cut the ribbon on my wife's salon, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, he he be, he'll be in like he'll be in like the in like the the worst poorest neighborhoods like balling with black kids and shit. Like he, <laughs> he's like he's like the highest level Republican That's I've funny. ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> he's boots on the um, ground kind of guy. You know, <laughs> and uh, just to wrap that up with with Ali Alexander, I think you know he was working hand in hand with the the Congress members I'd mentioned there. And he was obviously working closely with um, Alex Jones. Um, at the same time, during the, the the episode, they were talking about you know agent provocateurs and you know people who are agitators. Mm-hmm. I've never come across a bigger agitator in all my life than Alex Jones and conspiracy theorists. So that, you know the, <laughs> the documentary itself was talking out of both sides of its mouth at that right. point. Yeah, but Alex yeah, Jones so isn't at rallies telling people Alex to Jones. do, you know, telling people to do things that they shouldn't be doing he was actually doing the opposite from what i've seen right well i mean yeah from the clips and the yeah uh, right, yeah, my, yeah. My, my i think one of my favorite parts was where they showed him very briefly just marching down the road just yelling we're coming swamp creatures yeah i think this is an interest this is a, this is an interesting point i wanted to hit on too like to sort of lay my groundwork of how my mind look like perceives this documentary is there's a lot of common themes here 
uh, for people, how I think people on the right will perceive this documentary and how um, people that are on the left who've sort of, like, all this shit that Tucker's talking about, like, oh, the government's targeting these Americans who are just trying to protest, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is, like, old news to people on the left. That's, that's the, 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 that's what I think is the most effective piece of when I, propaganda in all of this. And when I say that, like, if you guys ever heard me talk about it before and folks that listen to the show know, like, I use propaganda as just, like, a overarching uh, term for, because, it too much people put like a negative spin on it all the time like in my opinion like politics is the whole point is you're you're trying to achieve you're trying to gain power to uh enact your policies that you want and how do you gain support well you have to propagandize that to people right so but the the interesting thing that i wanted to bring up was that i i feel like people will see these events just like you know put this in parallel with like george floyd protests and rioting and stuff you're always going to feel a little more sympathy for the people that you perceive to be closer to you on the political spectrum, right? Um, but when I saw this, um, I think that there's, you know, if you, if, you, if you try to be objective at it and look at it, like, okay, there were clearly people there who went there to agitate, right? Um, they can't all be provocateurs the way that this documentary tried to make it mm-hmm. play, like, out mm-hmm. to be. There were definitely people there that wanted to go there and fuck shit up. There are always going to be those people there. I didn't agree with the folks on the left or in the George Floyd stuff who were like, oh, uh, this one guy was able to set off a whole crowd. Like, no, there's people who went right. there to go do that shit. You mm-hmm. you can't tell me that that's not the case because if if you're going to sit there and presuppose that no one is like at a, in a state of – if this country is not in enough of a state of political instability that people aren't able to just go do that shit themselves. Yeah, I mean, we've, all, we've all personally known people who, who we know for a fact would take advantage of a situation like that just to go like rob something from a store or mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> like, like I've definitely exactly. known people like that. Like it's, it's definite that yeah, there were people instance, there. Yeah, for instance, me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's, I wasn't gonna name you. Obviously, we we did a bunch of uh, George Floyd protests up here in upstate New York, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like you know, the people, the core group of people you organize with or whatever, like yeah, we're out there peacefully, whether you need to get a permit or not, depending on whatever you did. But mm-hmm. there were always things that happened in other places where, like, illegal shit happened. And, yeah. you know, it's part of it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's what blows my mind is when people view this from the opposite. It, it's happening on the other side of the aisle and people are like, oh, oh, look at this. And it's like, yeah, people lose control. That's what happens. That's what yeah. happens when huge groups of people that all kind of agree on something start amassing. Like, that's what happens. Right. And that's, not, that's actually... Uh, that that triggered me to to a point in the documentary where they were trying to you know frame it as you know we've got all these people here with the intention of just protesting you know what I mean I'm talking about you know Ali Alexander what he was talking about he's like we have a permit for right here um, mm-hmm. and then they were saying once some other people who were interviewed were were talking about um, once they were in it was quite peaceful everybody was calmed down. And then they so show people like beating people, the shit out. <laughs> yeah, and then they, and all of a sudden, someone got shoved, and then everyone got angry again. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, you know, I've me and Ramon have done podcasts before, and we talked about how you know, but by and large, considering how many people protested during the George Floyd stuff and the BLM stuff, um, and I've you know done research on it and checked the numbers on it, in and around ninety three percent of all the protests 
during that period of, you know, millions and millions of people protesting. Um, 93% of them were peaceful, right? Um, so then for a documentary like this, where they're trying to kind of paint that side as, you know, agitated and angry and, and doing all these stuff at every single protest, you know, if we look at the two protests that the far right have had uh, and people who are angry over alleged stolen election, you have Charlottesville where, yeah. what, two people died, one person died? Mm-hmm. Then you have this, uh, January 6th, where what's the total number of dead after this? Was it three or four yeah. at the end? I think um, it was, I want to say I thought three, that yeah. was interesting in the documentary that they, co- they couldn't see that they're actually, you know, kind of ma- making a point for the other side too and how they were framing everything. Mm-hmm. Anybody got anything? What's your guys' oh, yeah. take? <laughs> um, well, you guys yeah. Hot takes? I know you guys got Yeah, hot yeah, takes. yeah. So, um... Uh, just one of the one of the little things that I jotted down, and uh, this is a, a point that you were making, Ramon, um, with how you know how it was perceived. I think it's it's worth. Um, actually, I guess I got I, I kind of want to get your guys' point on this, and I think you probably agree with um, you probably are our opinions on it. But it's it's hard to ignore the fact that you had the corporate press, you know, promoting all of these congressmen and congresswomen that were. Uh, basically calling the, uh, you know, a lot of the George Floyd protesters, basically calling them to violence, saying, you know, if you see these Republican congressmen at dinner, you know, uh, whatever, get in their face, call, like, basically, you know, cause, you know, asking <laughs> them to... Maxine Waters. Yeah, yeah, Maxine Waters, specifically. Um, but, you know, to see the corporate press on one side when it came to that, and then on this side, they were calling, you know... Uh, you know, all these congressmen that were openly saying, like, you know, we like we do not need to be doing this, and to completely ignore that, like, I, I think it's hard to ignore the um, uh, what's the antonym to the parallel? Policy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I definitely I understand. I I I hear what you're saying. I think that I think that something that we should probably bring up, or at least I I will build into my take here on. Uh, you know whether i agree with you or not on that is i think that what was lost in the documentary and what gets lost in a lot of when people talk about what happened on january 6th and the george floyd protests um is what were the suppositions that brought people out into the street for those two things right um Mm -hmm. and this is where i don't have that type of uh um you know oh it's just one other side of the coin take on it because those people who were there for January 6th were there based off of an unprovable thing they thought was true. That's Mm -hmm. my point. You know what I mean? Like the, the Maxine Waters gets away with saying, and mind you, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with all the people who like rile, been riling up, uh, folks on the left to like, Oh, go fucking like, uh, hide in the cargo of like the plane Kirsten Sinema's getting on and like climb out of it and like harass, (laughs) you know, like I I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that's weird. You know what I mean? Like, is that a real thing? No, 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 I just made that up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like people like harassing politicians, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that camp because here's my thing. Like, no, uh, we're way past the point where, like these people are stone cold just going to do whatever their bosses mm-hmm. are telling them to do. It doesn't matter what you do anymore. Um mm-hmm. but but my point is like the Maxine Waters take, I get why people were frustrated by that, but and again, this isn't me excusing it, but the reason that a lot of the political ecosystem and the political media excuses those things is because they're all attached to civil rights 
and decades of pain and issues and stuff that you know she's mad old like you know she literally went to a segregated school probably at one point you know what i mean like yeah. that's why they excuse it when you saw the shit that happened on the 6th basically i mean everyone who wasn't a complete trumpster was like what are these people even freaking out about uh, like, he lost yeah. so that's the difference there's no mm -hmm. you can't build a sympathetic story outside of that political ecosystem of the trump people it, it's only for them like that you get what i mean like yeah absolutely. a person who's not black can look at, can look at and understand what maxine waters is upset by and other people and be like nah yeah and give them the pass you know what i mean that that's why those two things get viewed so differently right I my yeah. i think my you only I mean? rebuttal to that would be that you know she perpetrated this message after months of violence already so for her to be kind of you know pushing for you know more uh provocation or pr provocateur or whatever <laughs> you know whatever you know the word i'm trying to say but for her to be pushing for more of that after months of violence i think uh you know i i i would like to think that most objective people were kind of like i don't know if that's you know really what we should be doing but they went after your boy Rand paul ramon come on <laughs> <laughs> right, but, guys, but the difference is look you have but but there's no there's no connecting event of violence from what Maxine Waters said. That's the difference, though, right? I mean, yeah. we can all agree on that. That like when Trump whipped people up at his rallies before he was even president, like people got beat up right there. Like that, yeah. that was immediate. You know what I mean? So you can make that link. Like, oh, he's fucking getting riling, riling up these hogs to beat people up right in front of your face in live on live television. That's the difference, right? I mean, surely we can see that gap there you know like so if someone like it like went up and like punched fucking Rand paul in the face after that then yeah his neighbor like, well, did maxine waters <laughs> like, yeah. with you. but it's just like it didn't happen man yeah. but, but okay that is it lies in no, go ahead go well ahead. but with that being said i mean it, it's not like the violence stopped so <laughs> i mean can we really say that what she said didn't uh you know at least help it keep going yeah, I mean, we can't minimize what well, the Black Lives well, Matters protests actually happened. Like they did, like burn down buildings and loot, and there was. Like, I mean, that that and, and, happened. And, and maybe we should detach Black Lives Matters from that because I think you know okay. they're like, you know, like uh, Peter was saying, yeah. ninety three percent of them were you know peaceful based on the numbers that he was looking at. But uh, yeah, the, yeah, the point that Cameron's trying to make is, you know, violence continued after Maxine Waters was saying that. So I don't think we can fairly say that uh her words didn't have any like there was no connection at all no yeah. link and and maybe there wasn't we don't know but yeah, yeah this right. should take by her and it's it's uh i think it's dangerous for someone in power to to have a take like that yeah it was a flippant comment it wasn't a rally based around her riling people up and uh mm. from what i remember um and just to bring it back to the january 6th documentary I'm sure we can all be in agreement that if it was a Black Lives Matter protest that burst through the fucking Capitol grounds, <laughs> they definitely wouldn't have got to the front door of the, the Capitol building. They couldn't even get past the park in fucking downtown D.C. before they got tear gas so Trump could hold a Bible in front of a church. So <laughs> I think we can separate those two things right there. Um and that was one of the most shocking things to me about January 6th. And what I kept on saying to myself is, if this was any other movement, not any other movement, but a, a movement around social justice and not something that was linked to 
uh, an election that had just ended with nearly 50% of the people voting for the other guy, then it would have been nipped in the bud uh, when they were marching down the prom. You yeah, I mean, well, that's so my that's why take on that. I, when I think of, about that, I I just immediately kind of um, kind of go to just the fact that we know that our and this is you know probably the next part of this episode uh, the how they were talking about all of the you know things that we know that the federal government's organized in other countries. Um, right, it's all eerily know. similar. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't think they don't have the capacity to <laughs> organize something in this country to that, if, you know, to that magnitude. Uh, and it is, it is really odd that we saw a lot of videos of cops that looked like they were just kind of letting people stepping through. out of the way, just yeah. waving people on. Um, it was a really yeah. odd scene. Uh, how- and I, I remember while, while it was happening, you know, just watching the videos coming through Instagram and some of the, uh, you know, news, outlets that i follow on there some of the more objective but to see the uh what the hell was that guy with the bull horns on his head and what was his name you guys yeah, the, oh, i don't remember his name but yeah <laughs> yeah but the, to see him be like shaman. Yeah, yeah the q and on shaman the shaman but, the q shaman yeah but to like see him basically being escorted into the um <laughs> the senate hall yeah the senate hall and then like I don't know. Like Peter Griffin. Yeah, yeah it was just them, hey, it was strange. You could not sit there. Man, yeah. something really triggered me Trigger- in that scene, and that was when the the Capitol officer said that like he was like, "This is like the most sacred place." Yeah, and I was, and like, I was like, me "Oh my break. god, you guys literally <laughs> view this like a fucking church." Yeah. It is so sick. <laughs> Tell me you're in a cult without being in a cult. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. real, real fast before we so 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 guys. I have, like, I have what I think is a solid take, right? Like, rolling back back what Patter said and connecting to what you guys are saying, right? Like, so, him saying, like, oh, you know, black folks would have never even got up the steps, you know? Um, I think that this is is why this documentary is so effective, and I think that this is part of what explains this interesting moment we're in in American history, is because... Not because of just the comparison of like, oh, black folks wouldn't have been able to do that. I think that this is legitimately the first time we're seeing uh, almost, you know, 99% white group. I mean, you could look at those folks in the crowd there from all the footage. Mm. I think that a lot of those people there were shocked that that happened to them, first of all. Um, Great. Black, black, black protesters would never try to go inside Congress. Right, like, yeah. Keep it super real, bro. They would have never even tried because they would have been actually scared. And that sort of, in my mind, explains why a lot of the police were like, you know, hey, whatever. Because if you remember a lot of the footage in the beginning, like cops were kind of talking to some of them. And, you know, you could hear people in the crowd. And this is my point where it's like there's mixtures of people. There's like people who just think they're, hey, I'm a patriot. I think Biden fucking lost. Um, but I support the police, and those were the guys yelling at everyone, like, pulling people off, cops, doing that type of shit, right? So, I think the police there were a little disarmed, because they didn't think that that shit was gonna happen either. I think mm. that everyone kind of got swept up in the moment, but the ultimate, like, the, 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 that interesting dynamic of a lot of, um, you know, right-wing white folks in this country seeing that, or who were there in that crowd, probably didn't expect that to turn out that way. Because I know that a lot of people who went there, we're saying like this isn't what I came here for. Never in their mind did they think they think like, oh, left wingers do shit like that. Yeah, we we wouldn't 
beat the police and so go do, you know, whatever. Spanish we didn't burn police stations all <laughs> last summer. So I think that in their head, like, that, there was that interesting break. But that's what makes this documentary possible is because this is the first real opportunity aside from, like, what, like, uh, you know, when, like, some, like, uh, like, one, not one percenters, uh, sovereign citizens do, like, weird shit in groups, like, take a post office over or something like that. Yeah. Like, for the most part, you really don't see, like, large groups of white people do political violence in this country to the government. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? That That's the difference. Unfortunately, you, you know what yeah. what I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> because typically, typically those, typically those folks have recourse within the government to get what they want. You know, it, this is, we're, we're watching a break of a lot of middle and lower white class, uh, 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 class white working people feeling the break that a lot of other pe- other groups, other cultures in this uh, and races in this country have felt the need to go to the extremes for. They feel like they're disconnected from a government that they felt used to represent them. I think that that's the interesting thing to take away from this documentary and what's happened in the last year and a half. In this I'll, country, I'll, in I'll give you, I'll give you one fasc- better. I think it's fascinating. And just say that uh, I think Republicans are just lazy as fuck up until now. <laughs> no, I, I still think they're pretty lazy. But I, I would have to agree with a little bit with Ramon there. Yeah, I agree. I and, agree. Uh, but I, something that came to me from this first episode of the documentary, and I just want to throw this out there, not to throw us off too much, but uh, the big thing I took away from this, and this isn't anything new. I mean, it's been kind of put out there for a while now, especially when Bush was still president when he ran his second time, I think. But uh, a lot more people are just not trusting the system, right? And that's what that was. There was a group, a large group of people not trusting that the person they wanted to win was cheated out, and this is what happened. And then we even saw it, what, with Virginia? Yeah. You know, it wasn't as big, obviously. It wasn't a, a storming or anything, but there's people saying, hey, this was stolen, or is this even correct, or... But uh, I think it's interesting to see that now we see a lot more, just like Ramon was saying, a lot more people, if they're not feeling like they're being represented enough, you know... And they're saying, hey, are we being cheated or what is even going off the system that we have now? Yeah, and I think this is a good uh, kind of red-pilled moment for most of the country, no matter kind of where you lay, where you lie on the spectrum. You know, for the Republicans, it was, uh, you know, Donald Trump having the election, air quotes, stolen from him. Uh, for the Black Lives Matters folks, it was, you know, the George Floyd stuff. And, you know, I, I'm not here to discuss if any of it's right or wrong. I'm just saying I think for a vast majority of the country go for it yeah no no i'm just saying for the vast majority of the country you know this is a huge red pole moment showing like hey you know we like we the people really do have the power to make change and but in order to do that you know you have to have courage and yeah yeah that's i guess, that's the just point i was making yeah up, like stand up for what you believe in yeah there's strength <laughs> in numbers you know what i mean i can't arrest yeah. you all i think <laughs> You know, with everything that was said there, I think um, one of the things that I highlighted and asterisked, you know, and it comes up a lot when you listen to Tucker Carlson speak on his show and, you know, similar types of personalities as him speaking, is they talk about your core constitutional rights, right? Um, At the same time, they're also, they didn't mention, you know, all the constitutional rights that they were actually um, coming into contact with on January 6th, you know, we, we talked about the sacred, you know, chambers of the Senate and all that, <laughs> where these guys are running in, breaking windows and all that. You, you, you know, I don't think, well, when was the last time, uh, you might know the day, the date, the last time that something like that happened in the U.S. on, in, in the Capitol. Uh, was that when they got burned? Close to the Civil War. Or, 
Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. It, it was obviously very far removed. Didn't some vegan from, storm the Capitol? January 6, 2021. <laughs> um, I think like that was a state, I think that was a state capital. Yeah, 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 it was. You're right. In like 2014 or something like that? Yeah. No, but yeah, but I know I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, I get what he's saying. A larger Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, like I thought they like to use this core constitutional rights and they use it as like a a scare attack. And I think, you know, over everything that this documentary was trying to do, it was trying to evoke that feeling that your your election was stolen. Uh, next is going to be your rights to, you know, the, the sacred constitution. Um, and they kept on, like, dropping that in throughout the documentary and the ominous music and, you know, imagery and and, and snipped up snippets of, of someone saying something outlandish on the left. Um, it was very well done, but, uh, you know, for someone like myself or Ramon, or, or I'm sure you guys as well, you were able to see that that is part of that type of documentary. It's, it's you know, the the type of people... I won't say the type of people. I was like the person who gets moved to get really, you know, G'd up from a documentary like this is easily led. Um, another thing I thought was interesting with throughout the documentary, uh, at least the episode, the first episode, was they didn't mention uh, QAnon once, right? And they talk about yeah, that's like, crazy. Yeah, and and, and oh, we yeah. know that that has that is a, a, good a point. big play in on what why January six happened. We had at the Stop the Steal rally, you had um, General Mike Flynn up there. We go one, we go all, fella. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought that was very, very telling that they didn't even mention that once. And if you, you know, if you connect what had happened with the QAnon movement and draw a straight line to January 6th, I think anybody who's really dug, dug deep can see the connection into why so many people were upset and why they thought it was an actual steal because they were being led to believe that the the reckoning was about to happen. And a lot for of people an entire that, year almost. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. a whole year almost. Right. The dark winter. Yeah. And a fair a fair election happened uh, in, in terms of actual, you know, constitutional fairness. They were certifying the lex- the election that day. Uh, you mean to tell me that having a uh, a fucking rally that day, the day of the certifying election, is not there to incite anything. I, I, I just don't believe that. And it was, you know, I was going to say it's it's uh, irresponsible of Tucker Carlson not to uh, mention QAnon, but I mean, it's Tucker. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, the one thing. Oh yeah, I, I wanted to mention that that. Uh, that short period of time where the where all the right wingers were kind of like questioning uh, the cops for once was pretty um, for us it was a little bit exciting we were like oh god they're waking yeah, up for sure and then um, <laughs> and then the George Floyd rallies got even you know more was it Minnesota or was it it started spreading around the country a little more or something I can't remember if it was after January 6th or what the exact timeline was but I remember we were all saying you know oh this January 6th thing just kind of like broke the broke the ice on right wingers just finally realizing that cops aren't you know they're just they're there to earn a paycheck they're not there to fucking uh, support one side or the other and they're gonna do whatever yeah they're agents of the state at the end of the day. Well, certainly not the D.C. cops. Right. And this was a point that a lot of people made that I loved, like, around when it happened. Like, did you see, what was it, uh, I think it was an ex-NYPD chief who was like, 
what the fuck are they doing? Like, I, it's and then someone made the joke, like, bro, like the NYPD was literally like chomping at the bit, like, please let us go in there and bust some ass. <laughs> like, yeah. they they really, they, those are some soft ass doughy cops there, bro. <laughs> like, they were not ready for. Well, what do they see all. on a, on a daily basis? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing. Tourists. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, the um, yeah, they just see like middle school like uh, fucking classes coming yeah, through, classes coming through, just laughing at all the little pictures. Yeah, um, but um, but, but hey, you you maybe could argue that most of them might be pedophiles, thinking about the fact that they get to pat down like middle school <laughs> field trips. You know, <laughs> that could be the next documentary. <laughs> Uh, Capitol Police yeah, raise kids. kids. <laughs> yeah. It's a good demonstration of how your government but, but, will protect you, right? Yeah, yeah. But yo, as long as we're on that topic of that is something I did want to touch on real quick. I know I'm talking way too much, but the um the like this this break, like you're saying, like concert a lot of conservatives um having this break. Um that's why like this is why I'm saying like this was this 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 was such successful propaganda because he literally he took this moment and and perfectly jujitsued it into like you, oh here's the flashes of people getting black bagged in fucking Guantanamo well, that's gonna be you that's gonna be you oh, yeah. uh, the, uh, the government's we've been mm-hmm. telling you George Bush was bad for Mad Long all of us uh, fucking paleo conservatives that have been shitting on him for Mad Long and you wouldn't break away now I'm gonna show you his face he's the bad guy all this shit mm-hmm. we did over there was horrible and now they're gonna do it to you and yeah I they did do a lot of connecting super <clears throat> Yeah, this is super important going forward. Like, if if Trump runs again in twenty twenty four, I hope he um, does. it's gonna be shit like this that causes the actual downfall of establishment Republicans. Like, because this is the stuff. Like these these are the kinds of pieces of media that if 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 it's under a flag like Fox, there's gonna be a lot of people who will watch this and be like, "Wow, you know what." Um, uh, you know, Johnny, my nephew, who was in Iraq and is all fucked up now, and now he hates all of this shit. You know, he served, he was over there, and he's saying all this same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I think that this is going to cause a lot of ideological breaking from the establishment Republican Party. Like, See, yeah, there, I, this is, not, I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, just one piece of media, but like, you know, this ball that's slowly getting larger, like this snowball rolling downhill, this gave it a big-ass push, I think. Uh, I mean, he's, a watch, he's the most watched person in cable. Um, so, I mean, and we already know that, you know, plenty of people will watch this, and, you know, he is the voice. What is it? They like to the silent majority. Um, so I'd agree with you on that, 100%. And, and I think from a leftist perspective, I love it. I think it's great, because whatever it's going to take... To break these fucking insane right wingers away from like sucking off the state and the establishment of like our military and police are so grand like whatever it takes yes please I'll take that I'd rather have I'd rather have fucking forty percent of these people go become uh, three percenters tomorrow. Then, yeah. then well, the three percenters are just feds at this point. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. So, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but I think what you're saying is three more women should have died at the Capitol building. To push the uh, people over? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm just well, joking with you, man. <laughs> while we're on the topic, while we're on the topic, 
while we're on the topic, um, I did have that take. Uh, like when I first, like literally when I saw that that was happening, the protests and everything, like I went and grabbed popcorn. We're not the protests, the, 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 the them. He's like, I went the and grabbed the uh, Vaseline <laughs> when uh, Ashley I got went and grabbed throat checked. That's all right. She's white. We have popcorn, so many of them. When she got domed, when when she got shot in the throat, I remember sitting there being like, you know, I was definitely like more angry. Uh, like generally about politics at that time because I hadn't had the release valve of having a podcast. And I do remember, like, I'll be honest, I remember looking at that and being like, well, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm no fucking like, oh, like, statist, like, uh, oh, they should have power to execute people or whatever. But I remember thinking at the time, like, well, stupid game, stupid prizes. Like, you tried to jump through a window, all those fucking politicians were back there and there were guys with guns and you went through. Um, yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but they had cleared out perspective, like removed away from the emotion of the moment. Like, no, I don't like that. I don't want cops to kill anyone. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, especially unarmed person coming through a window. But the thing is, people do have to be realistic. And that documentary certainly wasn't. And a lot of people aren't when they talk about it is the fact that there was already a ton of violence previous to that. And they were breaking through a barrier where they had nowhere left to go. They, yeah. Those people didn't know how where anyone else was in the building. Uh, honestly, like the fact that the the January sixth commission probably like they're they're trying to do it like for political reasons. I think that there's got to be a mastermind somewhere in the D.C. police or uh, whoever was the head of all of those people stationed in the Capitol of those cops. Someone definitely like turned off the radio or something. There's like, something had to. Yeah, like there's, there's no definitely way that somebody working from the inside. I yeah, think. I, I will 100 percent agree with that on this yeah. documentary. Like there was definitely something weird happening there. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, well, I was just gonna say, I think uh, you know, whenever she got shot, I was like, oh man, that's it. Like you know, right wingers are done with cops now. But but then it turned out it was a black guy, so we're right back to square one. Yeah, well, th- th- <laughs> this is <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, the chess pieces never work out perfectly enough. <laughs> oh man! Oh, Ramon just—he's uh, like disappearing. <laughs> he's like, I gotta get out of here. Um, but no, that—that's a good point because when um, I think it was a point Ramon was making about how you know whatever it'll take to get these you know crazed right wings authoritarian you know status you know to stop sucking off the teat of you know the state. Um, I think you're giving too much faith to them. I think they're quick to forget i think all it takes is you know uh like patter was saying just for trump to get back up there and be like no the police are good and then oh january 6th what happened then what do you mean well all it took mm-hmm. was the defund the police rallies and then they were like oh yeah exactly. new line hard as right exactly hard as my cock yeah and i i thought the covid you know the the fact that a lot of cops were going through with some of the more ridiculous covid restrictions i thought that was gonna was gonna do it too but Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You guys are you guys are hard like no mandators, right? You guys don't like any of the COVID shit. No. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I mean, we're all for you know people doing what they think is what they think is best for them. Business owners, if if you want to ma- like you know require people to wear masks in your store, we don't we have no issue with that. You know, I'm not going to go shop yeah, there, no. but we have no issue with that. <laughs> but um, the state shouldn't be enforcing. Yeah. The, the state shouldn't be the one deciding. If Especially on a federal level. That's that's where I think it gets a little more insane because, uh, you know, if we're talking about the Constitution and, and what that says, uh, I don't think uh, there's any justification for, you know, telling people either 
what medical treatment they need to get or um, just ma- making people wear certain articles of clothing. Yeah. And I, I think we could, not that I don't think any of us agree with it, um, but we would maybe even be more realistic if it was like a state level thing, you know, state by state, because obviously we know states operate very differently, but to see that on federal state, you know, federal level is just like, yeah, I mean, I think crazy. I'm speaking for everyone, but I think the way we see it is that the you know the system was set up so that you have a place to go if uh, if your state does something that you don't think is uh, is justified, you have somewhere to go. You can go to a different state, but if we're doing all these things from a federal level, you have nowhere to go. You're sure. stuck with whatever their uh, yeah, whatever their decision is. So, so here, let me ask you guys the question that I pose to a lot of folks who have the line of thinking you guys do. So if you knew, right, if you knew uh, for a sure fact, if I give you a hypothetical, it's like a little uh, thought experiment. If you knew for a fact that we never did any mask recommendations or any type of vaccine, you know, positive propaganda, I'll call it that, you know, that the government did to try to get people to get vexed. If you knew we never did any of that in your ideal world, but a million more Americans would have died. Do you still think that your way is better? I would say yes. Yeah. Just from a, just honest public health question. You think yeah. that the live sacrifice is worth the freedom? See, see you, you say public health. I don't think, and maybe that's the disconnect. We don't see it that way. We see it as your personal health. Well, no, no. I'm asking you from the state's perspective. If you are the person pulling the lever, if it's your right. choice and your president... Do you make it? Because it is public health because you're choosing. Right. Yeah. Is that worth saving the lives to take some of the freedom? Because I see a lot of people sort of set up this question around, you know, ultimate freedoms, ultimate safety. And then, you know, either one of those can be tyranny depending on what side of the bleachers you're, st- you're sitting on. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that there has to be some recognition that. Like, public health is a thing. You know what I mean? And, and I don't mean public health as in, as in you need to do things to keep other people safe. I'm saying, like, seatbelts. Like, you need to make people do shit so less people die in your country. You yeah, know what see, I mean? You, that, you, I keep hearing seatbelts used as an example, and I'm just like, you know, if I want to fly through my windshield at 100 miles an hour, that's my damn right. <laughs> but not that I would. I wouldn't you because I think it's... On the it's, U level, though, on the U level, I'm saying right. from a public policy perspective, not for See, Chris. I think, so, um, I think mm-hmm. my view of public health is that it should be geared towards giving people the info they need to, to make the decision. Because how many times do we see them actually referencing medical studies? Like, referencing uh, actual, what are they called, blind... Double blind studies or whatever, whatever they reference for. <laughs> How many times do you see these public policy people actually referencing this stuff? They're just they just demonize people and and tell you, you know, if you don't wear a mask, you're kill, you're killing grandma, and that's it. There's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it. There's no reference to any sort of study proving what they're saying is true. It's just. And this Propaganda. Is, right, and this is kind of more or less what I was getting at when I uh, kind of cut you off, uh, Ramon, and said, uh, you know, personal health. I think we've become too reliant on the state, and I think, you know, if if the state has any job, it's to give legitimate information, not just this, uh, you know, as you refer to it as prop, uh, positive propaganda, and let the people make the decision on their own. I think ultimately that's, I mean, you, you know, you could look at, 
Florida, what we hit just hit the lowest uh, COVID rates. Yeah, I haven't country. seen an article about Florida in the New York Times in right. like a month. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and you know, DeSantis basically did exactly what you know we're kind of saying is putting the um, you know the choice in the people's hands. You know, he truly followed the science. He had a board of scientists come on his, uh, you know, in his office or wherever they did it, and they deliberated for hours, and he followed the true science, not, you know, the the media propaganda and the buzz catchphrases and all this other stuff. So I guess, you know, when I was saying public versus personal health, I think, you know, I wasn't necessarily saying that personal on a level of, like, you know, myself. I mean, you know, you're giving the right to the individual to make the personal choices that they feel is best for them. Right. Yeah, and I mean... Did, did Florida... Didn't Florida... How many states, Ryan, where did Florida end up being in debts from COVID? Um, I mean, per, really sure. hopefully number one. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> per... per uh, so I guess the... I think we're in the... We're definitely in the top ten for, like, per capita. Um, I When you adjust for age... Though it's like middle of the pack, yeah, because we have the, we have one of the oldest yeah, yeah. oldest populations. But uh, yeah, depending sure. on whether waiting or what is it? Evans we're the, waiting we're room? Nine. Isn't that what they call it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're, the, we're the we're the northeast uh, <laughs> waiting room. <laughs> wow, per yeah. capita, Mississippi was the highest. Well, there's a lot of fat people in Mississippi. We're we're getting so off. We have to come back to the. We didn't even even bring up. We didn't even bring up the fucking um like the actual like the the mini biopics that Tucker did inside of each episode. We Mm -hmm. have to talk about these individual cases of people. Um, Uh, Oh yeah. So um, yeah, let's start with um those people in Alaska. You got notes right. Yeah, let's start with those those people in Alaska. I think that one was a little bit... I mean, I definitely... So they were raided by the FBI based on, I guess, probably location data or something. Maybe, sure, uh, probably, yeah. maybe pictures of them. Um, but um, So they claim they were never in the Capitol. I don't know whether that's true or not. But, um, but the, I mean, the FBI came in and handcuffed them, according to their testimony, and... Um, you know, sat them down, showed them pictures of people that were not them. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. yeah, so then, and, and then the last part, which I think goes back to what you guys were saying, where they, uh, you know, were talking a lot about the, your rights and things like that. They, where they, uh, confiscated their declaration of independence and their constitution <laughs> as evidence. Um, that was kind Somebody of interesting. Somebody get Nicholas Cage on the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i think a lot of those uh those cases i mean there was a, a bunch of different ones i remember following along immediately after this happened you know there was numerous people that got kind of raided in similar ways and arrested and um i i don't think to my knowledge i don't think a lot of them have any charges except for like trespassing right yeah, why aren't any of them charged with insurrection? <laughs> and that's what I thought was weird, right? Because I was like, why did Tucker pick these people? But then, like, as the episode went on and on, I think this was episode two, um, it went on and on. I think it was like, oh, he picked them because they're sort of, like, probably the most normal people he could find. I think mm-hmm. that that's why. Good point. <laughs> probably. Definitely. Um, 
And also, what kind of the optics of the FBI just going all the way to Alaska, like to like the yeah, end of the world, yeah. just to like pick these people out. You know, so here's my take on this, right? Like, so you have all these people who went there, right? And like the FBI, obviously, they probably picked the most charitable example of them, like you know, fucking with this couple who, you know, by all accounts, it seems like they were just like, you know, the guy was just like a regular run of the mill Trump guy. Like he didn't really mm-hmm. seem like he was too crazy. His wife just seemed like a normal person. Um, but this is, this was why, like what I was saying, like such an effective piece of propaganda, because it's like, he's giving you the out to be like, oh, I know people who were there. I was there or or even some of the wilder stuff I saw. Like, oh, they're just like those nice folks in Anchorage or wherever they were. You know what I mean? Um, Somebody's mom and dads. I heard they were uh, called in one of the episodes. and it's such a genius pivot from a documentary perspective, from a a, um, a a cinematography perspective, because the whole time that they're showing all of these jazzed up people in these crowds, the only reason that the documentary starts showing you more and more of the violence that happened on the 6th and just generally how like people were beefing with cops and being aggressive is because they already gave you the, prop, the proposition in episode one that, oh, these people were all provocateurs. And it's like, well... Well, no, like there was definitely mm-hmm. like there there's so many people like, for example, like you, you got Charlie Kirk, you, you know, you listed off Alex Jones. There's there's a ton of actual political players in the media that were involved in this. There were a ton of people that were out in the front out um, uh, on the front lines of this from an independent journalist perspective that mm-hmm. never got any calls from the FBI. Not that we know of that. Like they weren't arrested or anything. Mm-hmm. There were a ton of people. So. I do slightly agree with Tucker's per, um, his angle that he takes on it, where it's like, oh, the Justice Department was definitely just being like super selective. Like yeah. all these leftists who were on Twitter, not even just leftists, but like just Democrats, whatever at large, people on the left, who were like literally like jerking themselves off and like hunting down pe- <laughs> pictures of people they could find that they saw oh, yeah. in the Capitol. And it's like, well, do, you really think the FBI needs your help? <laughs> like, do it. They don't need your fucking they help. Drones. Like, they're, just, they're just not going after these people. And that's right. part of what I can't remember who said it earlier, but it's like you were saying, like, oh, Republicans are lazy. Like, no, this whole system's do, broken and lazy. Do you remember when USA in any real country in any in any real country, um, uh, they would have fucking like. It, first off, this never would have happened. Uh, like. I can't imagine this happening, like, people just strolling through this and, like, memeing on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like, I just... uh, It would have never happened in any other country. Like, the military would have immediately started shooting people. But, um, it it really just... To me, this is such a huge signifying event, and, like, this documentary captures it in this almost perfect way, where it's like, oh, this is just a failing empire. Like, this is... Mm -hmm. This whole... The, the craziest thing that political event that's happened probably in my lifetime is just a meme now. Like, it's right. not even... Yeah, I mean, that guy said it himself, right? It's the most sacred place, and they couldn't even fucking, like, stop people from going <laughs> yeah. in there. So, so I have, I have a question for you. Try. Yeah, <laughs> right. So I have a question for you, Ramon, since you were, you know, you were uh, saying how, you know, any other, any other country, this would never happen. Um, you know, being that the, you know, the federal government is so proud of the strength and, you know, the technology they have to find these people and do all these things. Do you think that the fact that it did happen is maybe telling that it was allowed to happen rather than it was something that just kind of got out of, uh, you know, they, they kind of just lost control of? Um, I think it's a combination of both. Like I said, I yeah. think that there were definitely... there. Were, I think it was a combination of those... A ton of the cops that were there 
we're did, we're stunned by the fact that that happened. I think that a lot there's obviously someone who was in charge and able to call in. If you look at the documents from mm-hmm. some of the early January sixth commission investigations, there was uh, there's still a ton of unanswered questions like mm-hmm. uh, the duty chief. Like there's all these people who had the ability to call in extra help, and it came super late. Right? Like, yeah. There, there were there was a there, there was a there was a crowd that was already beyond the people on the ground. The police on the grounds were able to capable of handling hours before any fucking cavalry came yeah one of the i mean one of the things that it's a combination of both yeah the thing that really makes me kind of lean on the side of it was allowed to happen is just how again the media was they just loved that this happened they were like they loved it it was like the talking point they're able to just kind of use it just kind of how tucker carlson's using it in the opposite way I mean, I was gonna say, do you remember when the USA Today though. put out the the narc tip line? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. God, USA Wait, Today. What, Who, what Say that again. USA Today. They put out like a like a tip line. They were like, if you know of anybody who was at the Capitol riots, uh, you know, you can anonymous anonymously submit your tips to USA Today, which is basically the CIA, but. Well, you know, yeah, that's another topic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, that, yo, and that's the other crazy part about this is, like, right? Like, so right-wing people are less likely to wear masks. Um, mm-hmm. That was part yeah. of what the trouble was with the George Floyd protest was uh, everyone was wearing a mask. Like, yeah. facial, I, facial recognition tech wasn't working as well. I was saying that oh, when I was looking at the videos. I was they like, man, these people should these be wearing people, masks. Any of them. They all <laughs> yeah, surprised I, I, that they were in there. That's what yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like. percent agree. You see people from, like, suburbia just strolling through the capital, like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, selfies. And then you see, like, obviously the violent aspects of right. it. But, you know, you'd ask the question over there, which one of your lads are talking. Um, you said, like, uh, you know, could you see this happening in, uh, you know, why were the media so coordinated? And, you know, it's almost like they were happy it happened. I mean, it was a pretty sensational thing to happen just because of the... The, the persona that America has had for so long as, as being that strong country that seems to, you know, be a law and order state, um, how easy it was for that to happen yeah. on, you know, potentially the biggest day for the democracy and certifying a free and fair election. I think all those things put together makes it, you know, quite sensational. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the history of America, we've seen incompetency take place when it comes to big events. You know, they've they've um, you know brought up nine eleven in the documentary a bunch of times. You know, you see the failings it, from nine eleven. What happened in, in terms of allowing it to happen, where they had the opportunity to multiple times nip it in the bud from intelligence to you know even the day itself to even you know all these different things put together. So. I don't think it's a surprise to me that America is incompetent and that it's not as tall as it claims to be. Um, so that kind of is removed from the, the, the sensational day that it was in that, you know, these people were able to get this far without anything, you know, happen to between there and the fucking Nancy Pelosi's desk. You know what I mean? And, and the reason I, the reason I brought that up is because I guess I was I was trying to softly insinuate that. Do you think that maybe the reason it was allowed to happen is because and and this is me playing devil's advocate. Uh, do you think that right. maybe the fact that it was allowed to happen is part of some you know not conspiracy theory but some you know grander conspiracy? 
And I genuinely, I'm asking well, you guys not five right. places. Who, though? Because, because Tucker Carlson's documentary mm-hmm. tries to make the supposition that it was, like, Biden's government that right. did mm-hmm. this. But we all know that that's... Come on, this guy's like a doddering dipshit. So who the hell? Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? like just you, the empire in you, general. You can't, no make specific like that. Administration. you can't make a claim like that in a documentary and not have any dots to connect. And that's where this documentary fails, in my opinion. It's, yeah, it just and gives I'd agree. You like this I overarching, agree. like, oh, it's the deep state. But who, Tucker? Who the fuck are we talking about? Because Joe Biden's, how- Joe Biden's shitting himself on live TV <laughs> like every other month. So in the Vatican, nonetheless. The game, though, I think he just has to insinuate these things for uh, you know uh, that that thought then to be you know blown up. Right, kind of run with it. Honestly, that's propaganda now. You know, both left and right. You just have to give the idea and put it out there for them to be packaged and repeated. I don't know how many times I've. You know the lads. You know I work with, or you know the, the the similar type where they're like, "Hey, did you see what's happening here? I see your boy Biden now is doing this, and and it's just like some fucking outlandish thought that is not actually happening." But they obviously <laughs> heard a soundbite from somewhere else. Like it doesn't have to be an actual concise, backed-up point for a lot of people to run with. Um, so you know Tucker Carlson knows what he's doing every night, um, and, and certainly in this documentary. I am, I'm sure he wasn't making sure that everything he said had facts behind it. Because mm. fact, mm-hmm. we live in a post-truth era now, especially with how divided everything is. Yeah, yeah, mm. I, I would agree that probably the biggest downfall of this documentary, besides the obvious, like you guys just stated, is the fact that he doesn't have anyone to kind of point this to, right? He kind of vaguely points to it might be a <laughs> yeah. deep state. Yeah, yeah, he's going QAnon on us. Yeah, (laughs) where it's like, if he was going to be a little bit more investigative, a little bit more, which in my mind would make this documentary, you know, a little bit better, would be pointed to some people. You know, who's been in power for longer than 20 years that's probably had power that we, that shouldn't have power, that, uh, you know, doesn't get elected, that's just a bureaucrat that's there because they can be. Um, That's unfortunate that this documentary doesn't take that turn. I remember watching this with with Cameron last night, uh, sitting right where I'm sitting, and I remember stopping halfway through the second one, and I leaned over to him, and I'm like, do you feel like this is just like a fear-mongering, like, super Republican thing? Like, And he's like, yeah, I'm kind of getting that vibe. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you guys have already mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, you and Ramon, you know, I've already mentioned it a couple times about how, like, they keep doing flashbacks to the gulags, and, and so it obviously has a very... The, strategic uh, narrative about like how they're coming after you like white republicans or whatever um that's that's like very obvious yeah like, like, I mean, Abu Ghraib torture video yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're not get, yeah. if you're not getting that Headings. if you're not getting yeah. that in, in what the do documentary you, yeah what, what do you guys make of that um <laughs> that that dude that that super redneck guy with his feet kicked up on Pelosi. I want to have a beer with that guy <laughs> I love that guy <laughs> on his tractor preferably <laughs> <laughs> I've come across guys like that quite a bit. I'm sure you guys have. Oh, yeah. as oh well. for sure. Um, you got a few of them. I would like to have a beer with him. Uh, <laughs> I can probably guarantee uh, what he'd be talking about. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like I was that. behind I a truck guys. earlier that had like 10 oh, Punisher yo, so, skulls on it. The way that they tried to um, sort of paint his character in the documentary is interesting, right? Because everything that they build up to in that episode three is all building to the point where they make 
the assertion, and mind you, I say this is an assertion, and this is part of what enables the documentary to get away with a lot of the um, string they get to invent by connecting dots. Like, the string that we don't know for sure exists, we're just supposed to trust Tucker Carlson and, like, his team and however they like investigated and pat and patchwork this all together they 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 make it, it very explicitly like they, the the big point they try to make at the end is like oh he's being prosecuted and like you know his defense attorneys uh in the documentary and he's like oh so he walks into pelosi's office and like he has an inactive and inoperable stun gun on his hip that he uses for a cane right it was a journalist who told him like oh you should pose take a picture like make yourself comfortable and then he just did it like yeah. As if he was like some un like he had no agency. Yeah. Like he was just in there and like <laughs> yeah, he was like a robotized by a journalist. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so who's the journalist, first of all? You got him. Yeah. They didn't even a, name him. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> who, yeah, yeah. It was Tucker <laughs> himself. Tucker Carlson was what in the, the Capitol. Talking about. <laughs> they, they try to build this sympathetic storyline around this guy, which again, I'm not like like I said when I was when all this shit happened, I was chilling watching pop eating popcorn. I wasn't like oh the country's over. No, none of that. <laughs> I was like, eh, all right, well you know, fuck I, it. You I know, think we're uh, all doing the same. But I, I'm looking at it, I'm being Machiavelli. I'm being Machiavellian about it. I'm being like, hey, you know what? Maybe this will scare the fuck out of these people in there enough to actually do something, right? Uh, you know, like you know, do something good that people want uh, and not just fuck off all day. You know, that was my super cynical take on it. Um, well, well, obviously, I have to I, take where it's a honeypot, right? Uh, I heard some fella in the uh, in the documentary call him one six a honeypot for that the, the Democrats and, and the left would love. Um, yeah, that's what and, they build it on. They try to say yeah. that oh, this was a Joe Biden honeypot. They just wanted yeah. to, they needed this as the final hammer stroke to uh, you know put the fucking white supremacist brand on all of us. <laughs> so I want to get with that. This is a good segue. I want to get your guys' take on um, when they talk about the uh, the the Detroit field office FBI agent who uh, you know they they worded as presumably oversaw the Whitmer plot where twelve of them twelve of the eighteen were undercover right. FBI agents because I I think you guys would agree that you know that does happen in the country in certain instances one thousand percent oh yeah yeah so so with that being yeah. said you know th- this this Detroit field officer who presumably oversaw this uh you know plot to kidnap Whitmer all of a sudden becoming the field office agent in um, uh, D.C. Do you think that, you know, there's any kind of link with that or do you think that is just another Tucker Carlson, you know, presumptuous statement to try and, like, you know, invoke some sort of, uh, uh, I guess, emotion of being unfairly, you know, kind of tricked into this whole scenario? Hmm. Um, I, yeah, I got to take on that. So like you said before, like the, the Whitmer thing, I remember when that first broke, like the story initially, and I was like reading it, like, this seems different. Like, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> like, um, wow, the Boogaloo boys really stepped well, it up well, a notch. Because, you know, yeah. I, I mean, we all know how well protected governors are, right? So mm-hmm. I'm just like, all right, well, this seems like a little far-fetched, but all right. And then it like slowly drip dripped and then i think it was like what like almost six months later we found out that it was like it was it quite was a while really this and this is and this is what gives tucker his this is his biggest kernel of truth in the whole docuseries where he's like oh they built this whole fucking thing up the same way that we used to like uh you know after 9-11 like the nypd would like find like mentally ill muslim teenagers and like gas mm-hmm. them up all the way to the point of like buying bomb ingredients and then be yeah. like oh we got them 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's literally, yeah, it's 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 uh, fucking psyop one hundred and one bullshit that they do Entrapment. specifically, specifically. But but that's the thing. It's the the main point of it isn't an operation on the person you're trying to entrap. It's a psyop on the rest of the country. Right. It's to it's to push a narrative. So I 100% agree with you on your take on the Whitmer thing. Mm-hmm. But again, we have to keep returning to the base concept around why were people primed to fall for that shit. He, in this documentary, and a lot of people keep observing it as if it's in a vacuum. It's not. This was after uh, um, years of Trump agitating these people towards violence. And again, this isn't me like making some moral take on it. I'm just saying this is what happened. I don't give a fuck, honestly. Trump's not president anymore. I'm not living in that world. Um, but he, you know, he riled the fuck out of a lot of these people for years. Then the QAnon shit. Like, these people were getting fucking, like, uh, uh, fucking, like, clockwork oranged already. Like, right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, like, fucking, like, with the, the eyes held Stanley Kubrick for, like, yeah. over a year, bro. So, like, the fact that he tries to be like, oh... The the FBI, like, fucking planted themselves in with, you know, these guys. It's like, sure, I feel bad for them, and that sucks, but it's like, these are people who, um, not those guys specifically with the Whitmer thing. Like, I don't know anything about them. But, again, yeah. to focus around, bring it back to the 6th, those people know what the fuck they went there for. Like, I definitely don't have the same sympathy for them as I do as the Whitmer guys. I definitely don't yeah. have the same sympathy for these Jan 6 people as I do for... Um, you know, countless numbers of fucking leftist agitator groups around the country that even think about getting militarized, even though there's like 20 FBI agents in their fucking group before they even <laughs> form a Skype conference call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, and that, it's just, it, it's, it's just, that's the biggest thing that I just, I, I try to watch it with like a clear, you know, oh, I'm just going to go into this and have fun. But it's like, man, like, it, like you're saying, it's crazy that, like, any of these fucking, like, crazy old right-wing dudes will watch this and be like, oh, hell yeah, goddamn right, Tucker. Like, yeah. how can you see this and not be like, bro, this is what they've been doing to the left for centuries, or for, like, over a century all around the world? This isn't, this isn't, this is, oh, you're, they're literally finding this one kernel of opportunity of one thing where these people went and did, the one of, like, one of the most extreme things you can do to a government. To try to go and take out, like, literally go after senators, house reps, whatever. And again, I'm not making a moral take on it. But it's like, it's crazy how they try to act like it's surprising that this was the reaction the government had. And it was honestly a super light reaction. Because remember when uh, Trump fucking basically sent uh, U.S. Marshals to execute the fucking Antifa guy? He literally went on TV and bragged about it. They rolled up and went to go arrest uh, the Antifa guy who like got in a shooting at a riot or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or something and, was that yeah, in Portland? The they found him. They fucking domed him in his car, bro. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then Trump went on TV and was like, "Oh yeah, I sent them. There has to be <laughs> retribution." Like, okay, so, <laughs> but that's Trump. my like the mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance it takes to see that shit happen. That that example, and then look at Ashley Babbitt getting domed getting shot in the throat, crawling through a window with politicians right behind that cop that shot her. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, for me, they're not the same, Mm. and it definitely doesn't evoke the same emotional response. I'm glad you brought that up. That uh, So I think that guy's name was Michael, started with an R, I can't remember his name, but he was was in Portland, right? He just, like, 
randomly Kyle shot some guy yeah. on. <laughs> it was Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> uh, he just randomly shot some guy on some guy on the street or something. Um, that guy was definitely a piece of shit. But but regardless, it was sort of startling whenever he sent. I think it was like. Department of Homeland Security, or, or no, it's the Marshals. You said, um, and yeah, you just sent them yeah. into Oregon to to kill this guy, and well, to arrest him. They ended up killing him, but um, no surprise. And it was yeah. I remember thinking that I was like, well, you know, they're sending federal agents into into the state to uh, go after this guy without, and the state was clearly coming out and saying, no, we don't want federal agents in our state. And uh, so I, yeah, I definitely had a you know thought that was unconstitutional for sure. Even though that guy, I had no, as you as you put it, I had no sympathy right. for him either. Right. <laughs> so uh, and, and the a, thing is, oh. it doesn't matter whether he actually sent them and like told the captain like yes execute him it's how he played it it's how he he said it in the media that it was retribution so so (laughs) here's my point if biden did that right now what the fuck would happen and this is this is all i'm saying is people have this like we have this crazy barrier of like whatever's left of civility in politics where like we have to like be extremely charitable the left does for some reason on things like that if joe biden sent someone to go murk some guy in texas who was at the sixth and was like oh there has to be retribution uh (laughs) fucking you know blah 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 bro there'd be riots right then and there like it wouldn't what happened when that guy got murked Everybody was just like, oh, Trump's crazy still. All right, yeah, we're exhausted. This is like year three. <laughs> um, I'm just, so that's all I'm saying is like the way that this documentary tries to like make the right out to be like some, the victim. oh, they're just nice folks yeah. and they, they're being wronged. And it's like, no, let's keep it real. They're, you know, and I say this to people on the left all the time. Like you don't want politics to get to that level because if it does, you lose. Those people have all the guns. They're the crazy aggressive people. We have, like, bros with man buns playing, like, banjos and shit. <laughs> and like, that's not league. how you want politics to go. Trust me. Um, but, but, but we keep playing in this arena of, like, acting like it's some, like, even tit for tat. And it's just not, man. Those people, a lot of those folks who were there, uh, mad at them, you know, fucking had, had guns. They, they, they went there for a reason, man. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm yeah. sick of this narrative around people trying to be like, oh, they were just, sure, I'm sure 95% of them went there to be peaceful, sure. But you can't deny the fact that, like, no, that chick tried to crawl through that window and got domed. Like, it sucks yeah. to suck. I'm sorry. Like, it's, what did you think was going to happen, man? Yeah, That's what was her I'm next saying. move? Yeah. What so, did you think was going to happen? So, uh, just a, just a, preface this point before i make it and just as just into a reaction to what you just say ramon um but uh, we're clearly not trumpers around this table i don't think anybody voted for trump around this no. table uh so we're, we're definitely on the same side and 2016 definitely a schmuck in a in more ways than one but do you think um do you think there's any uh, can, you, can, can you give any credit to the fact that, like, the like there was two failed impeachments, also, like, a whole wave of, like, you know, very critical media towards Trump and, and, and like, an election that sort of changed in the sense that, like, how, we, how people are voting, uh, now they're voting mailing and things like that. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that this is, I'm going to go storm the Capitol or anything like that, but that <laughs> there is, on some level... <laughs> these people look at it and be like wow well, this is unfair look at the media look at the impeachments there is something maybe there that makes me feel like this is kind of unfair no 
Can you say that, or, or is it more just like... I, I mean, it, are you are are you saying, like, it's unfair as in there's a possibility there was a conspiracy against Trump electorally? Or do you mean, I, like... I, I think he's more or less saying it from, from the Republican, you know, the, the, yeah, I'm, when I say Republican, I'm talking about the people that stormed the Capitol. I, and maybe I'm speaking for you, but I'm, I'm just trying to read, Go ahead. You know, change his words to maybe be a little more relatable. I'm just trying to say, um, I think what he, the point he's trying to make is that it's hard to ignore the fact that there was this, and I don't even think it's a theory at this point, there was a conspiracy between big tech corporate press some of the you know the i air quotes um deep state the establishment whatever however you want to define that there was a coordinated effort to try and uh trip trump up and you know basically discredit him in every every turn of the uh you know every turn of the race that they possibly could i would would say the the same reasons why trump turned from a you know a fat billionaire coming down an elevator when he was uh, <laughs> you know, beginning his candidacy all the way to the Republican conve- the Republican debates where there was fucking 12 people on the stage to him get whittled down to the one guy, to him becoming president. That same courtship of the media that you say was negative press, that is the reason that's I think he got into that's office. That's a really good point. Number one. Just, yeah. to, 100%. just to put that out there. Yeah, that's one. a good point. So, so and we've we've done podcasts on it where I'm, I'm talking to mom we're, we're discussing the the fact that I don't think on January 6th he's just going to turn around or, or on election night sorry he's just going to turn around and say oh I lost congratulations Joe Biden oh I didn't so think that either negative- no, no, no 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 I don't think anybody in the country thought that and that's the thing happen. is the elections have basically been contested for the past like year like well no like the past yeah. four or five elections have oh been, right yeah, like, yeah the other side claims that they lost unfairly <laughs> yeah that's true that's yeah. true and i mean and even you could go to your own state and we talked about it in a, one of the previous podcasts the whole mm-hmm. bush and yeah gore and gore yeah. election i mean and i said to ramon i put it to him uh the last episode too it in a different universe if that was the election that just happened and joe biden won on Florida on a recount mm. in today's discourse could you imagine what yeah. would have happened with we'll his brother that, being the governor yeah with his brother being the governor on <laughs> that stage you know they've contested Arizona now they're trying to I don't know how many times they fucking recounted Arizona um, so I would to your question and, and to your statement I would say no uh, I don't think there was any sort of conspiracy by the media to cut the legs from Trump if anything he played the game to a point where democracy kind of took a hold and you lost, bro. That's the reality of it. Um, when you talk about private companies like Big Tech and Twitter, you know, they should have probably muted him. And I know you guys are libertarians, so you probably don't believe in any sort of muting, which is grand. I but don't it, agree with that either, though. For the, for the reason <laughs> of why they cut, you know, cut him off Twitter, they could have done that months before. I think the timing made it look like, oh, we just got to shut it down. But there was incitement from him. There was incitement from him the day of January 6th. There was continuous incitement from him, you know, once he got into office. You know, there's incitement from him at his own rallies, you know, when he was a candidate, when he was a president. The reason he loved rallies, you know, even when he was president, when he wasn't campaigning anymore, is because he had that crowd in his hand where he could say things and they would cheer 
and he would say tough guy shit and he would cheer so yeah I don't really ho- I think that holds any weight in my opinion, but you know I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that believe it. So yeah, I, okay. I got a slightly uh, to answer. What's your name again? Did that ask a question? I'm sorry. That was Cameron. Oh, I'm Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Cameron. Cameron. So I I have the hot take you're looking for, sir. Um, <laughs> so I think Let's hear it. That <laughs> I think um so uh, two points. Ask you you answer your question like oh did the Absolutely. I think the entire media establishment, including a lot of the right wing media establishment, did not want Trump anymore. I think that he was he was peeling back too many, you know, to use the fucking like cute conspiracy cute terminology or whatever. He's going to say I think it. he was keeping it too real. He was saying shit like, oh, well, the United <laughs> States, like, oh, Putin's Putin's bad. Are you implying he was too. pulling like, back was the saying- layers? he was peeling he was pulling back the curtain bro like on a bunch of shit and i'm not saying like again like it's stuff like people like me you everyone on this call we all know yeah but to like the regular joe at home blows their mind documentary is a shocking thing for yeah i think that he they wanted him out they thought that he was too unpredictable no part of the establishment whether the left or the right wants any unpredictability in a president people Mm -hmm. have been murdered over that in the past in this country um so I, I don't think that that, you know, JFK, holy shit, no one knew what that guy was yeah. going to fucking do at a time when very critical decisions need to be made. So from the establishment media angle, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, a lot of those people, those are the most civility brainwashed people in this country. They're all like, oh, he's uncouth. He's a uh, he's a fucking um, a Philistine. He's an unwashed <laughs> yeah. uh, fucking scumbag. <laughs> Okay, they didn't like that shit. They got sick of reporting on it. The the, the it, it, he was done being interesting to them the first year of his presidency. So I agree with you on that. Now, as far as the electoral conspiracy, I disagree with the fact that people uh, try to propose that oh the left had some cooked up thing. The left hasn't tried to steal an election or really fuck with anything since JFK, in my opinion. You know when there was actually like mob people on the left. Mm-hmm. That's not even a fucking thing anymore. Um, in my from what, everything I've seen. But I will tell you, if someone did try to do some electoral shit like that, it would have came from the right. It would have been someone like the Koch brothers. It would have been it would have been some fucking Mercer. person who, yeah, or, well, the Mercers still were backing him, I think, in 2020. But it would have been someone with power and pull that would have been Machiavellian enough to make that kind of a move. And no one on the left has that fucking ability. Look at these people. Not, not, not as individuals. Rude. They're like, they're, the, the, everyone on the left is... But yeah, not an individual. But I'm saying, like, who are the who's the group? Who are even the people? Like the deep state? Well, come on, bro. Hillary Clinton still <laughs> Hillary Clinton's still out in the woods. Bill Clinton's fucking got dementia. Like, what who, about George who? Soros, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I don't know, man. So, I just I, all I'm saying is the people the people who've actually successfully pulled off shit like this in the past have been right wingers in this country. Mm. Well, That's so I think right now so, there's a lot of people the case, with influence that are it, maybe we would consider them left. You probably wouldn't. Um, they're probably more you know aptly described as centrists. Uh, you know, people Ew. like Zuckerberg and, uh, neoliberals. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, no, I agree with that. That's what I'm saying. I throw the social media stuff in with the establishment media because that's yeah. what they are now. They're, mm-hmm. the social media companies are legacy media now, For sure. in my opinion. They've been around long enough. But I'm oh, saying, yeah. and from the electoral standpoint of that's why they're putting like out fake whistleblowers to, like, to try and gain more power or fuck with stuff like that. <laughs> you would need hatchet men on the ground to do it. And only the right wing has those people now. Right. There's, and, the and the left wing doesn't even have hatchet men anymore. Who do we got? Add, Rahm Emanuel? Right. Like, who? And, and just to add to 
to your point um, when you were saying about that mail-in votes became more uh, prominent this election for obvious reasons, you know, because of COVID. But Trump actually shot himself in the dick because he was telling people to go out and vote, not vote by mail. I was hoping you were going to say dick and not foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't see his feet. His belly's too big. Um, but yeah, I mean, he actually hurt himself. He hurt himself numerous times in that like six months period prior to the election. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, so, and that's yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying from the the insurrectionist Republican, you know, standpoint, they're looking at it like, you know what I'm saying? Whether or not it's conspiracy or not, I was just saying, does that, has the media and some of the things that happened given him, given them some like leverage, leverage to say, you know, I don't know, get hyped up, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we yeah, always want to give. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I think oh, there's something there. That, that's definitely fuel for us. It's definitely bro, bro, fuel you're for talking to Bernie bro voters. They did <laughs> the same thing to Bernie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bernie got the fucked. Exactly. He got dick, man. Yeah, God. We, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's something yeah. we brought up a lot whenever, <laughs> you know, this whole thing was going down. Right? Yeah, you guys lived it. Like, like if you voted for it. Bernie, you got to admit <laughs> this can happen, right? Yeah. 100%. Yep. Okay, well, all right, so to move on to another topic they brought in um, is the the purging of the military. Um, so this is something that's kind of ongoing, and one is something that's definitely just, like, really scaring the shit out of right-wingers, because the military, and, and I guess, I mean, at this point, it's not really that big of a deal, because the military is, you know, easily over 50% from the southeast region of the u.s like i don't think uh uh you know people are scared that uh, that they can unleash the full power of the military on you know specifically republicans or anything like that although i'm sure some people believe that but um the there is definitely a clear uh kind of like rooting out of leadership in the military that don't see things a certain way uh, definitely, if you were a Trump supporter, you're, uh, you know, demonized and not taken seriously. Um, and, and we, we see all the, you know, the woke crap that's going on where, you know, we got, uh, well, right now we, we have, uh, the, uh, Congress voting on, uh, on, uh, adding women to the, uh, selective service, which is kind of, you know, I mean, a totally different topic, but um, it's just a, another example of just this woke military unleashed that's just like yeah. doing totally nonsensical shit. It's a ceremonial, meaningless thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, I mean, the selective, selective service is where you have to sign up for the the media, yeah. uh, for the, the draft. Military? Yeah, I no, have to do that, but I'm not even a citizen. Uh, yeah, it's all done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's just one example, but Sorry. we have, like, um, we have a lot of, uh, different examples. I, mean, I can't, I can't honestly think of one off the top of my head, <laughs> but, uh, we see that the military is, uh, I mean, we've known this for years. My, my dad's military, so I hear about all the, um, sort of, tra I guess you can call them trainings, but they're more like PowerPoint presentations that they have to go through yeah. that are, you know, over half of the guys in that room are rolling their eyes, but um, if you don't, if you outwardly express that you're opposed to this stuff, you're booted. You know, you're done. So um, it's it is a little bit concerning. I, I I could definitely see their their concerns there because this is a 
you know, armed force that they're kind of propagandizing and uh, and bringing into their ideological sphere and uh, making sure that they're not going to turn on them. They're going to turn on the other side. They're kind of, it seems like they're kind of uh, taking the military and trying to influence it one way or the other so that if shit does pop off, they have, you know, their guarantees that the, that the force is going to be on their side. Yeah, that's just not, I don't think that would happen. Just because it's too, it's too fragmented. Something like the military is just so fragmented. There's just so many different viewpoints. I mean, mm-hmm. it took the military how long to just get over the whole "don't ask, don't tell." <laughs> you have like right. I so see. Many. I agree. the The thing is, the a lot of the lower enlisted are um, more right wing leaning, but most of the leadership yeah, is not leadership. Most of the officer corps. Yeah, they're all they're all West Point fancy boys. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the same across society. I feel like you have. You know, even when the when it breaks down in voting, and correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, Ramon, but when it comes to like white educated voters, they tend to vote Democratic or you know that they that's one of the always the demographics that they break down is that the uh, non college educated voters tend to vote for someone like Trump. Well, this Uh, is why I love this topic because this is uh you know whoo this is my wheelhouse baby this is the exact uh, this is another sort of pressure point of what's happening to um, like the American just culture, economy, everything overall, where you have uh, you're feeling class pressure because mm-hmm. just like what you said, like all the all the officers and high ranking people who are just nodding their head and going along with whatever the you know the status quo is now in the military, what they're being told on these PowerPoint, these decks that they're getting loaded up, <laughs> um, you know, the rank and file don't like that shit. This is class politics, in my opinion, because yeah. most of the people who, you know, are actually fucking, you know, putting their boots on, picking their gun up every day, mm-hmm. you're, what, probably like four or five times more likely to be a Trump voter, right? So I think that's an interesting dynamic. But at the end of the day, I think it's just what we're seeing is, you know, what you would call wokeness. I think it's just the it's the HRification of the military it's like one of the yes. last bodies that's a good way one to of put the last it places that it's it's like the yeah. last vestige in america to to experience this but i saw this as an inevitability coming down the road like five years ago yeah um, it, what you said about hr when, when look at it from the perspective of what just happened january 6th i you know i'll say it again any other country this would happen because at the end of the day what you had was your capital was attacked right um now, Obama, when he came in, Obama, well, yeah, uh, Obama, when he came in, he tried to talk a little bit about white supremacy, but he was too afraid to. A lot of left-wing, uh, uh, left-wing people were pretty upset at him about that because, you know, they were like, hey, like, we need to, like, start approaching this issue for what it is. The FBI statistics, uh, the heads of the FBI had been saying, like, hey, white supremacy is, like, an actual issue as far as domestic terrorism goes. And I think that that's another dangerous part about this documentary is the fact that it tries to talk about um white supremacy as if it's a thing like it's just like a cultural token like it's just like a like as if it doesn't exist in the same classification as what we would put like gangs in so ramon so ramon there are white supremacist organizations in this country and there are dangerous ones like let's not let's not just be too flippant about that you know what i mean like that does exist but as far as the military goes um no this is a totally am i like i try to look at this stuff from like from the nation state's perspective if you have an event like the 6th happen, if you had a guy like Trump in 
who, like I said, talking about, you know, t- taking some of that shine off of the prestige of all these, um, uh, 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 you know, centers of power in the establishment that have existed for so long and have been vaunted in so many Americans' minds for so many decades. He's removing that shine. Of course they're going to go in and try to uh, do some ideological cleaning. Of course they are. Because look what happens to countries where they lose control or there's civil wars or the government's overthrown. That's how it happens. The fucking military. So, of course, the military from the the uh, uh, the, the upper echelons of the military are going to start setting policy to tamp down on that shit. They don't want to be fucking getting a, a fucking a knife stuck up their asshole in some insurrection in the military. <laughs> I like that. Uh, the, of course they're going to do that. I like that. No, but I mean that's really all. No, you're right. This is you're just right. a nation state insulate, protecting protecting itself. All right, so I don't know why people act surprised though. It, why? Why though? Why well, it is odd surprised? that they go so the far towards one gonna, direction. They're going to tamp down on anyone who's trying to upset their status quo, how they set it. That, it's that mm. simple, man. But who's you who's know? who's setting the status quo? Whoever the you know what? Well, here's your answer. Capitalism setting the status quo. Capitalism mm-hmm. is what set this hrification into motion of the world because it's what it's because that's what business dictates is the correct way to conduct yourself are we you confusing capitalism uh, with corporatism though? all this wokeness now we're getting the me and ramon is, at pete's wedding is, yeah <laughs> are we confusing capitalism with all corporatism the, well well cap co- corporatism is just a mechanism of capitalism i disagree yeah well it, okay so well, if it, it depends how you define capitalism i suppose yeah, sure. I guess well, I guess fine. the way we see it, say, to... I, sh- I should just say I should just say moneyed interests. Then, yeah, the moneyed interests in this That's world fair. are the ones calling for this HRification of all of our uh, organizations mm-hmm. and government agencies. It's not would, it's not left woke uh, woke leftists. And right. I would money. Take, I would take a, a take it a step further in that American capitalism has used the military as a tool in order to you know continue to capitalize on what it needs to do to be that uh you know mm-hmm. capitalist no you're certainly not uh, wrong light on about hill. that i think you know where and this is definitely where me and ramon were kind of hung up when we were talking uh for a long time at, at the wedding was that you know the, the way we see it is that capital you know we're all capitalists but we do not agree with any of the the large corporations in this country that are taking subsidies from the government they a bunch of them literally Lobbying. don't exist a bunch of them literally only exist today because the government is there to protect them. Uh, you know, protectionism is is uh, not something that we would support. Um, you know, we want people to to buy the things that they want, buy things from companies that make things that uh, make their lives easier, and um, and not you know uh, not get forced into like for example for just to draw a quick example with Elon Musk. Uh, with the the electronic electric vehicles, uh, a lot of the technology just wasn't there at the time, and they they kind of just shoved it down our throats. They're like, "You're you're driving electric vehicles. This is what's happening." And so, it, I you know, a Tesla automobile wouldn't cost sixty thousand dollars if it wasn't for the fact that the U.S. government came in and said here we'll give you five billion dollars to uh to jumpstart this program if it wasn't for that they would cost probably over a hundred thousand dollars right and i think what chris is saying is is the point that i was trying to make where this kind of corporatism where there's a lot of government interest and government um intervention gets conflated with i think the 
and maybe it's uh, yeah, I, I think it is the the traditional definition of you know free market capitalism, and I think there were, that's where a lot of the uh, the murky water kind of comes into play. And um, yeah, I don't know what, what's your guys' take on that. Yeah, I think that's for another another podcast. For sure, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Free market uh, analysis. Good move. Um, Good move. You know, yeah. what, I, what I will say is that special interests um, were certainly at play on something like January 6th. Don't get it twisted. And I think special interests were in, uh, at play in propping up somebody like Trump um, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, the reasons he would cut... Um, you know, programs that were seen to be, um, you know, limiting to some of the bigger industries that, you know, were obviously in his ear. I mean, that's, that's politics. I mean, you've seen the hangups in the, the Senate and you've seen hangups in government. Now it's, you have people like Joe Manchin who, you know, you can see the money that's going into his pocket from lobbyist groups so that you're seeing the jammer heads and the loggerheads that are happening because of those interests. So I think that's it's ingrained and it's baked in right now. Um, and to remove that, whether it be in the military, whether it be in um, you know the actual government itself, is something that people have tried. Um, and you know, someone like Bernie Sanders, who who's you know shed a light on it, has been even stiff armed by his own party because of that. You know, right? Another uh, another. Part. Right, <laughs> non non party guy, kind of un un, uh, un unpredictable kind of guy. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Bernie Sanders in his height and and as he grew, he essentially was a populist, much like Trump was as he grew. You know, populism was taken over everywhere, and you know, you saw Brexit happening. You see what's happening around the world. It was, it was, I believe, a pushback on what people have seen, um, which is. You know, politics, you know what I mean? And, and feeling like people have been manipulated into, you know, living the lives they're living. Yeah, I, I personally would agree with what you're saying. In fact, that's how people feel. Uh, before I move on to maybe like the last part of this documentary, what do you guys, this is just maybe getting out a little too off topic, but we'll see, is the reason that Trump was able to bully and pretty much bulldoze his way through the Republican Party and Bernie was not able to? Obviously, like the DNC had a huge um, part in that, but uh, I don't know. It's interesting to see from your guys' point of view what Bernie could do maybe next time or someone like Bernie could do moving forward. Um, I mean, it's a simple answer. It's go ahead, Ber- Bernie wasn't willing to go for the throat. Okay. He, he could have easily he could have easily yeah. destroyed Hillary Clinton and he chose not to and he did the same thing again against Joe Biden he constantly said Joe Biden's a friend he wasn't as charitable to Hillary Clinton but he was definitely he was still boxed in by trying to run inside of the Democratic Party which was in the midst of you know what you guys everybody calls wokeness where he didn't want to be perceived as attacking a woman and I think that that was his downfall where he you Trump had no he had no problems. I mean, bro, he literally called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. He told Ted Cruz's dad <laughs> killed JFK. Yeah, he, um, he made a comedy he, all, he got he got greasy and a big part of it is because who knows if Bernie would have been successful if he was aggressive because obviously Trump's the people that are voting for Trump are much more attuned to aggressive politics. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh the Republican whenever Republicans have bloody primaries, they win. In the general, and what's, uh, what's funny about the hold, point you brought up hold, is that, that doesn't um, hold true for Democrats. 
It, what's funny about the point you brought up is uh, Ted Cruz ended up falling in line, and now he's like a big Trumper. Yeah. You know, he's a big Trump diehard. Yeah, he sucks that Trump yeah. D. Well, well, Trump was talking about his wife. Now he's like, yeah, we need to, you yeah. know, get Trump back in. Um, yeah, I think one of well, uh, you know, my it, my personal view on what happened with Bernie, I think the pivotal factor was when they threatened his wife, and they uh, they threatened to bring her to court for some like. What was it again? It was like some. It wasn't fraud. It was some like minor. Probably Russian financial body for a college, and it was right. a drummed up story of nothing. Nothing happened. That was yeah. now. Now the investigation was, happened. Now who was that? The DNC that did that, or who was that? It, it was brought up by the DNC. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they, and they did the same thing with um, uh, Tulsi. I think I. And maybe you guys would disagree. I thought Tulsi was probably the best candidate overall. Until until recently, she started talking about uh, some pretty pro war shit. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I hopped I, off the whole train then. Yeah, she What's had like two topics that she was like very strong on, and then everything else was it kind of. Yeah, I, I feel like you could argue the same thing with Bernie, though. No, bro, she, um, was, talking, she was talking about Modi like he was like uh, like he was friend. Jeremy Corbyn or something. <laughs> like, he, yeah. she, she was literally sucking Modi off at every turn. Like, she was like that was super, a huge red flag. She was like super anti-war, and then all of a sudden she was like, the biggest threat to America is Islam. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yep, the fuck just yeah. happened? That was, that was just like a month and a half ago. Yeah, as, soon as, as soon as I saw she was like, every chance she had deep-throating, like, for a uh, 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 fucking... Um, What's it called? Uh, like Indian nationalists. I was like, oh, okay, she's a right winger. She's just she's in she's in disguise. Masquerading. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. That was it for me. And she was doing that way back in 2015. So I don't know why everybody was surprised, but maybe everybody <laughs> hadn't seen it. But and, and I, I question, knew right off top. Your question on why Trump was able to kind of steamroll the the Republican Party and Bernie wasn't. I'd agree with what Ramon said with regards to to Bernie. I think. I'm under the illusion, and maybe it's a fantasy, but if he had a ran as a third party in that election, you know, I don't even know if that would, would have been possible. But I feel like he would have he would have probably won. There was that many people rooting for him. Yeah, he's and, just and I, that many people didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, and I think there he's just that many people who are centrist. He's not at heart a revolutionary leader. I, I don't think he has the what it takes to be, you know, that guy. Like, like you're saying how Trump... Well, how old like is if, he? If Trump had the ideological views that Bernie has, he'd be a way better Bernie. Right. <laughs> is what I'm getting yeah, at. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, Trump, I think Trump was able to steamroll the uh, the Republican Party and, and, you know, stick with me on this, but I think he has been around for so long. You know, a lot of people have watched him on TV. They saw him as a successful guy. He was he was something that was completely new. So people wanted him around. They wanted to see what was going to happen next in the car crash. You know what I mean? It was like oh, I completely and, and everyone agree. who was in the Republican Party was like they wanted to be like you know stop doing what you're doing. But there was that much support to him that you know they were going to get primaried if they went against it. You know what I mean? It, it mm. literally swept up the whole establishment, and it was kind of fun to watch from a you know from a, a leftist perspective. But, uh, you know, I, those are my my takes on why he was able to do that and why he continues to be kind of a kingmaker in it. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, the blessings that he gives certain candidates now, even while he's sitting at his, you know, 
perch in Maralag or the book he is. Uh, you know, he continues to be that fella, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, no, go ahead, Bookie, if you had something. No, just to finish this off, I, I would agree. I think part of this, where this comes from is Trump is a, you know, a narcissist at heart. Yeah. And he's someone who he has, you know, compared to 99.9% of the people, has everything. But to him, he has nothing. Where I think Bernie, with his three homes and everything else he has, he's kind of, you know, I think he generally feels like he's okay in, in a sense. Um, yeah, he's, I think he, pers- I, I honestly think Bernie does feel like he believes in the things he says, but Trump wants more, right? So that kind of heartened, um, you know, passion, I would call it, even though it's, you know, bullying at the heart. Narcissism. Yeah, yeah narcissism kind of pushes yeah. him more forward than Bernie maybe being a little more complacent. Um, unfortunately, I guess, if you're... Well, and that's kind of the point that Ramon was making yeah. about saying he he wasn't willing to go for the throat. Exactly. I, w- I was kind of interested that it kind of backfired on him. You would think that, you know, granted he had the DNC kind of attacking him in that sense, but you would almost think that that would uh, be more of an argument in his favor that he was willing to not play dirty ball with the rest of them that would drum up a little bit more support. But mm. I guess it did, at the end of the day, it didn't matter, right? Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, so- inside his own party, when Clyburn when Clyburn gave the blessing and and you know gave the blessing to uh, to Biden, that was the end of the candidacy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, okay, so that's, to, that's just party to, politics. To get to the last episode, they kind of, the last episode kind of focused on. Uh, well, there was a lot of flashbacks to Guantanamo Bay for sure, <laughs> and then um, there was. Uh, so they talked about you know Ashley Babbitt quite a bit, which we've kind of gotten to a little bit. But uh, I think yeah. the thing that was really uh, you know like attention grabbing and definitely was going to rile a lot of people up is uh, where they talked about the uh, people who were incarcerated from um, from the. Riots or the, yeah, from the January 6th, uh, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, the, just the different things that are supposedly happening to these people in confinement. And, um, they really did kind of hammer that it was exactly like Guantanamo Bay. Um, and so, I mean, they kind of, uh, they just had that one guy, the guy, uh, the guy from Nancy Pelosi's desk, um, he kind of described what it was like when he was in there. So, I mean, we have one source. Um, wh- what did you guys think about that? Because I was, I mean, I was kind of just uh, taken aback by what he was describing. Uh, I guess really the question is just how honest it is. Um, I don't know. I don't believe him. Yeah, okay. I, don't, yeah, I don't believe him. Where are the rest of the people? Why did Tucker only get the one guy? If there, he was referencing another guy that mm-hmm. got like his eye stabbed out, where's that? <laughs> Where are all these people? Mm-hmm. Didn't Tucker just, just just for um, for precedent on this? Didn't Tucker supposedly have like a laptop for a while? Remember that he was breaking news that he had a a, a laptop, a hundred Biden's laptop news on it, and it ended up being like uh, a load of bullshit. <laughs> That was only a couple months ago, too, so I don't think it's out of Tucker's wheelhouse to just, you know, have one person and say that it's gospel. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm, you know, they're trying to like make the leap from from what that fellow was doing after being arrested to Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> right? And I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe shit like that doesn't happen. Uh, I'm sure it does. Uh, I just, I, the. 
I would be way more likely to believe that guy's story if it wasn't woven in it, if it wasn't one of the last few threads of this patchwork of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I definitely think, I mean, like I said, I, shit like that for sure happens. Um, I obviously don't like any of that. I don't, uh, you know, people being essentially held political prisoner uh, anywhere in the world is a big no, big no, no for me. Um, but again, I struggle with this idea of, you know, like they were, you know, zooming in on like his ankle bracelet and stuff, uh, while it was like up on, uh, you know, his mower. <laughs> and it makes me think, and it's like, well, I mean, you know, I, hey, as much as like, I don't like cops that much either, just like you guys don't. And I don't want the state to be like, you know, I don't want a carceral state. I don't think those are good values to have a country centered around. Um, there, but again, there has to be some consequence to breaking into the Capitol. Um, and if it's have, being on house arrest, then, you know, that's pretty light. Uh, yeah. Especially, it's kind of crazy, right, how they're, like, juxtaposing all the Guantanamo shit, and then the guy's like, oh, yeah, they banged my head into the concrete floor and blah, 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 but here I am riding on my mower on my million-dollar property, I was, probably. I was kind of thinking that uh, the whole time. Yeah, I was house arrest. It's like, well, wait, why are you... What happened? Yeah. They just uh, yeah, and you and then yeah, they didn't explain home. that they part. Guantan- I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they Guantanamo'd you and then let you go home. That's they skipped, good they, they skipped yeah. a part. Like, there was definitely a part in there they missed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you didn't go to trial, they just, like, pulled up to, you know, Idaho and dropped them off, like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I That's a good point. Think of it. No, yeah, it's a good point. Um, so, one of the things that happened, kind of like following the the um, January sixth, was that Nancy Pelosi was pushing for the Capitol Police to have um, basically. I mean, they, she was trying to turn them into like a like a national police force. Uh, they were they were talking about putting an office in Tampa because Florida is full of uh, domestic terrorists. Which, you know, it's true. But Nat- there's Nat- literally Nat- four of them on our podcast, so I can yeah, totally understand that. <laughs> <laughs> You're all on the no-fly list yeah, outside of Florida. <laughs> so far, I'm good. I just went to Maryland last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that, I thought yeah, that I was definitely, uh, that was really uh, concerning to me when I saw that she was pushing for that. And, uh, and the... I mean, the one thing that's really significant about that is that the Capitol Police is one of the only agencies in the country that is exempt from uh, the FISA warrant program. Right. Um, so and and this is a point we brought we we bring up a lot on, and and I'm sure you know if you know Ramon said you you said you listened to a couple of our episodes. Um, this is the point we bring up a lot where these. Um, these agencies that were never meant to be politicized are now becoming politicized. For example, in Florida, uh, Nikki Freed, she's the department head of the Department of Agriculture. Now she's going after all these, you know, the people that were at the January 6th riot. And she's taken away, how many was it the last time we looked? Like 12? 20-something. Yeah, 20 oh, something. okay, so it was like double what I was, yeah, so 20-something concealed weapons permits because, for whatever reason, in Florida, they deal with our... Um, concealed carry permits. Yeah, the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, the Department of Agriculture. So, I think this is, you know, just, I'm just, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly. Um, Weird. Yeah, this is just, you know, I'm I'm just kind of supporting Chris's point how, you know, these um, agencies that were never supposed to be politicized are now being... I had, I had not a, only politicized but also weaponized. I had a theory on a past podcast that they, um, you know, the Department of Agriculture was probably predominantly Republican for its uh, 
you know, back in the day, and so they they thought, oh, well, there there'll never be a problem with that. But I looked back on it, and actually, mm-hmm. they they predominantly been Democrats. So, um, but yeah, so I'm not sure why that happened. Maybe they just needed something for the Department of Agriculture to do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, they they do do a lot of stuff, but I didn't know that they had any purview over permits and licenses. But I think mm-hmm. part of that is because most of the permits and licenses. Um, are all based around environmental stuff, right? Yeah, maybe like, they the already have the infrastructure to do why. it. They probably were just like, oh, these people do this already. Yep. Let's just have them do guns. Right. Like, they might as well just give it to the DMV, you know? <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, part of it, too, I think part of that probably has to do with, like, Cold War shit, because um, I remember, so I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but there was... um someone made a point where like you know how like uh a ton of communist countries had like all these uh like the ministry of blah 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 whatever uh like they had like literally like dozens of them all throughout their government and like how america like purposefully never bifurcated where they should have throughout history they just kept lumping more responsibilities under the same departments Mm -hmm. um just weird interesting take i heard i don't know if there's like any validity to it but yeah no i mean uh, well i guess (laughs) I'm just curious what you guys think about that because, you know, from our point of view, there's really, I mean, it, it, there has to be a lot of, um, reasoning or evidence behind it to be able to take someone's second amendment right away from them. Um, and she's just kind of, it's seemingly willy nilly, just anybody who was at the Capitol riots and was confirmed to be there is, uh, you know, gets their concealed carry license revoked. And this is a right that, uh, you, you guys, you know, may, being on the, you know, a little more lefty side, um, maybe not agree, but we don't well, even think that I don't know, this Karl is... Marx was a big Second Amendment guy. Yeah, that, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, um, you know, we argue that this shouldn't even be a right that you need to apply for and get a permit for. So the fact that, you know, we even need to have a permit for yeah. is kind of ridiculous. And then on top of that, they're using, um, and, and we're, we're backpedaling a little bit, but like, you know, they're hunting down these, you know, January 6th guys. And, you know, this is something we all caught on pretty early. Like, you know, these people who ended up in the Capitol, like, yeah, you're probably going to get fucked for this. Um, oh yeah, that was the yeah. first thing I said. I was like, yeah, these people are going to sure. regret this for the rest of their lives. The rest of their yeah. lives. Um, so yeah, yeah to, to, to watch them get hunted down and like, you so, yeah, go, go ahead, Petter. Yeah, I was just uh, not to cut you off. No, go ahead. We probably don't fall along the same, you know, Second Amendment uh, plane. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I certainly think people have the uh, right to bear arms if they can go ahead and comply with a basic set of rules. Um, as someone who comes from a country where we have no mass shootings and <laughs> you know, and we don't have to deal with that as a problem. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't fall on the same plane as you guys. I'll right. say that first. Um, but, you know, America has its laws around the Second Amendment, and I do respect the the idea that people should be able to own a gun for protection if need be. I don't always agree with the type of guns that they need to own or would like to own. You know, mm-hmm. I certainly would like to, uh, you know, have a lot of things that I can't have just because they're fucking dangerous. Um, we talked about rules and, and things that... Um, the government tries to put in place um, to protect people and again that would be something that might uh, I, I guess we, we would probably disagree on but for people who've mm. attacked you know we can call a spade a spade these people 
stormed the capital, whether they just buffoonly just fucking fell upon the, the capital gates or however they got in there. Once they were in there, they saw what was happening. If these people now are crying that their concealed uh, carry license are being taken away, well, so be it. If I was to, me as a non-citizen, if I was to go and, you know, fuck around and, you know, storm ca- the city hall here i'd be i'd be deported okay I mean, so I, patter i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna a set of rules that sorry not, not i don't, I don't want to cut you off but i'm i'm gonna um i'm gonna press your logic for a second right so um so 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 you say that the the people that you know uh as you put it stormed the capital yeah yeah okay so the people that stormed the capital you know you you know you you, you think it's um whether loosely or harshly, you 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 agree that you know the the fact that the state is coming down on their, um, you know their right to bear arms. You think that's you know semi fair, right? Right, I do. Okay, all right. So with that being said, and you know this is partially me playing devil's advocate, but um, so how how do you do do you draw any comparison to? And I I know we we talked about this earlier in the episode that most of the um. You know the Black Lives Matter protests were peaceful. Um, what do you make of you know the FBI and the media's seemingly you know uh, complete? You know they, they're just ignoring the entire situation. Do you think that any of the people that caused some of the violence during the Black Lives Matter protests and you know some of the violence that occurred with that? Do you think that the FBI's complete ignorance of that? Do you think that that there's any any parallel to be drawn between the two that maybe some of these people uh, who, uh, you know, who attacked, you know, some of these buildings, I mean, you know, you look over the course of the last year, they caused over $3 billion in property damage. I mean, you know, I, I know early in the episode, you said it's remarkable that people made it into the capital capital. You know, is, is there a fair comparison to be drawn between, you know, getting into the capital where, you know, apart from a couple windows, you know, how much damage was really done versus three billion dollars in property damage across the country? Uh, do you, you know? Do, w- would you be in favor of the same kind of people losing their Second Amendment rights? Right. Uh, I mean, around the the fact that there was a concerted effort to go to the capital of the United States on the day that a, an election was certified. Uh, I think the gravity of of that, and then mass protests in the street, with which you know a lot of the goals may have been like uh, you know petrol bombing a, a business. You know that was the worst that I saw. You know lighting the police station on fire. I guess was some of the things that I saw as well. That, was, that the was only the good thing to come BLM out of the protests or <laughs> whatever you whatever you wanted to talk about. Um, but I, I, I certainly think that people who have been found to have done these things should have their Second Amendment rights at least looked at and taken away. You, you talk specifically about concealed carried. Uh, if there was a concealed carried person swept up, if Ashley Babbitt had her concealed carry on it, do you don't think she would have been knocking on the door of that thing with the fuck and tapping on the glass? I don't. I, I, I think. I think if she was going there specifically to cause civil unrest and do damage, I don't think having a concealed carry would have made a difference. I think she would have brought a weapon regardless. And 
But she didn't. Right. <laughs> she was an armed serviceman, so automatically, I, I just, you know, I don't know if you guys are very familiar with the concealed carry laws, but as an armed service person, I used to all you have to Texas, do... Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I said I used to live in Texas. They used to carry them on their hip. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I, well, so, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so it's it's a little different, so, de- you know, depending on where you live, but... As a um, an armed service member, you don't actually have to take a concealed weapons class. You just apply for the license. So, you know, with that fact in mind, Ashley Babbitt, she was a candidate for concealed carry, and I can almost guarantee guarantee that she was a concealed carry permit holder. You know, I, I this is me, you know, being a little hyperbolic. I, I don't know for sure, but being an armed service woman, being a Republican, all she had to do is pay. What is it? A thirty-five dollar, forty-five dollar fine or fee to get her concealed weapons carry? She didn't have to take the class being an armed service member. So, you know, if if she really was going to the Capitol with um, insidious intent, you know, I think I, having a concealed I weapons permit in, is I, besides the point. Right, but I think it turned into uh, a concerted effort to storm the Capitol after the the actual fucking rally right so i don't think she was going there you know to bust down nancy Pelosi's door with a gun um and and i think overall people told people not to bring weapons right it was one of those things they didn't want that to happen i'm sure i think there was with weapons i could be wrong but i think there was one weapon confiscated at the whole from the protesters yeah Mm. Yeah, there was nobody really arrested on the day of the, the thing either. So, you know, That's good confiscating point. weapons wasn't going to be happening either. Right. My point is, though, I think um, if you can get easily coerced into storming the most sacred building in uh, <laughs> the <laughs> democracy uh, of the United States, then you probably shouldn't have a fucking concealed I want to take my conceal out and shoot uh, myself it's, just it's hearing like that. It's like me. <laughs> if, if your capability to be able to make critical good decisions when you have something that can take someone's life really easily and you have it concealed on your person, then that should be looked at. So all those people who made the dumbest decision of their lives should have their fucking ability to be able to you know, carry a concealed weapon or at least some parameters and to stop them from you know, having that on their person, then yeah, so be it. Same with people who did dumb shit during the BLM uh, protests. Okay, if you're going to want a tough cocktail shit, yeah, fair. then mm-hmm. you probably should have some sort of liberties. And, and, and this, and, this and was a point like, we brought up a lot here on this. Here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, it's a quick point. But this is, this is a point we brought up uh, pretty often on our podcast in the earlier days, you know, when we first started, was these people that did that, like, you know, you knew, like, like, like you guys said, you, you know, you know what was, you knew what was gonna happen, right? You don't, you know, the, the government, like we talked about earlier, is very proud of their power, like, you're not gonna walk in, like, regardless if there's, uh, resistance or not, you're not gonna walk into the Capitol, kick your feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, and nothing's gonna happen to you, so, you know, this isn't right. something that we were necessarily in favor of, but, uh, I think it's just interesting to see that, you know, they're now coming, for you know something that we consider you know a god-given right and now they're uh you know they've politicized and weaponized it but uh yeah what, what were you gonna say Ramon? well no what i was gonna say is like i i take issue with like the the, the when you the opening uh question you put toward us right before Patter responded the first time yeah. was 
you 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 kept basing a lot of the comparison between the BLM protests and the and the interaction around property damage. And I'm just from my perspective, I'll throw that right out the window. I don't give a fuck about property damage. Um, yeah, I don't think we uh, don't, we don't really either. either. Well, 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 doing well, it. well we'll say this. It depends. I'll say this quickly. I'll say this quickly. I think we will finish my point though. Let me finish. Yeah, well, let me finish. From, from this from the political perch of the conversation we're having, like I don't think that that has any relevancy. I don't really give a shit about. I disagree that because. At the, because at the end of the day, like, well, like, is that how much of that property damage, like, even went to civil court? And, you know, like, so people bring up all of these big, huge numbers around that and then, like, compare. Not, I'm not saying you, but, like, other right, yeah, yeah. other pundits and stuff and people. Oh, they're like, well, look, this, this is what happened at the Capitol. And it's like, yeah, I don't. And there were people on the left like, oh, they destroyed sacred things. Who gives a shit? Don't care. They're things. They're not people. Uh, you know, I, I, I would happily trade in. Uh, $10 billion in property damage for one life. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not people. But um, what, what, what my take on the whole concealed carry permit thing is, um, I, I think that the big disconnect that's happening is uh, the fact that you're saying like, oh, the Department of Agriculture was handling this stuff with Florida residents. Um, it's not that surprising to me because you, everyone. I feel like everyone forgets like there, there's no state jurisdiction in D.C., Right. There's no governor. So, of course, the federal government, and you know, that's perceptively their zone of power, regardless of whether it's like, you mm-hmm. know, there's like a mayor in D.C. or whatever that the D.C. mayor ain't shit. You know, uh, we all know this. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's the that's the federal government's home. So, you know, it's not surprising to me that they're going to, like, react in some crazy way like this, like we're like we're all agreeing. But um, to you know answer your earlier question, like, no, I definitely used to be way more uh, uh, on the, you know, the more typical establishment democrat perspective of hey yeah we should probably just have less guns and we'll have less deaths um but after watching like how crazy politics got in the last like few years like i was like no i fuck that everybody should be able to have a gun shit's out of control Mm -hmm. um so you know i i i'm i i'm being somewhat intellectually honest with it i feel like i am on that perspective where it's like no i'm looking at it more from an individualist perspective than a public health one on that point so uh you know i tip my hat to you gentlemen for being there the whole time but Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely um, there on the but, on the individualist perspective, as you would say. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. But but no, but like uh, again, like it all just keeps coming back to for me, like you know, if if that's the worst thing that happens, like oh, I can't have my concealed carry, like mm, I don't know, I I really I don't know what to say. No I sympathy. mean, it, it's, yeah. I feel bad for the people who were getting fucked with that were only outside. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. anyone who went in that building, anyone who touched a cop, anyone who broke through a barricade. They're stupid. You man. fucking played a stupid ass game and won a wild I, and, stupid prize. And I you can, got fucked with. And I completely, like, I it, completely it, agree. My only uh, rebuttal or interjection to that is, what do you make of the people? And you, you I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, you've been to a concert. You know how crowds can get. What do you make of the people that? And and this is me playing devil's advocate. What do you make of the people who were just kind of there and just got? Just, just kind of got caught up and ended up, you know, in the the capital. Do you have, uh, you know, do, 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 is is there no nuance in that conversation for you guys, or do you think that anybody that ended up in the capital wanted to be in the capital, or do, or do you think there's any sort of leeway in regards to I, the people I, that ended up in there, maybe think, just kind of got swept up in the crowd? I think I anybody think the likelihood. Oh, I, I think the likelihood that. 
a lot of those people who got swept in or went there on purpose into <laughs> the building in. were the same fucking people who were at home screaming at their TV during yeah. all the BLM shit that were like, oh, fuck them, blah, 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 yeah. they all need to get arrested, whatever. But isn't that kind of regardless of the fact? They, they went because they thought it was something related to an election, and they yeah. thought that it was different. That's this, so. So again, like for me, yeah. it's like, well, I don't. There's, they're missing. I, it's it's their problem if they can't see the parallel there. And they were all like, yeah, they were all flying a, a Blue Lives Matter flag. They were all talking probably about the Constitution as they trample all over it by trying. I don't know. I feel like you could draw a lot of parallels with the BLM crowds. I don't know. And may, maybe this is just me. Well, you no, know, I'm, the the par- Go ahead. I'm saying the parallel of them realizing that they weren't not the the cognitive dissonance they have of thinking that they're always on this right side of law and order and authority in this country, right. and then them breaking the law immediately by walking up those steps mm. and not realizing yeah. it. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That, that's yeah. what I mean. It's, like, it's just crazy to me because I've never seen you know I, I've I've been to a bunch of protests so like the majority the, the overwhelming majority of them with. Uh, um, uh, permits, right? Uh, you know, you, you, right. you have big protests, you get the permits, just like some of these people did at the six, right? I agree with that. That was how wild is that? They that need a, a permit to protest, though. True, we talked about this in our minute, last episode. But the minute that you step into a place that is no unauthorized access, and you're doing that, it's like, well, you know, a decision to make. Yeah, like you yeah, made that choice. Like, I don't, I don't know. You made that yeah. choice, and then not to mention, you made that choice in a place where the government had no choice but to fucking slam the book at your ass. Yeah, because that's what this is. Like you said earlier, Chris. Like all of their power rests on perception. We watched yeah. how out of control the country was during the George Floyd protest. People lit police stations mm-hmm. on fire. Mm-hmm. The, the country was out of control. There was like, you know, what was the unemployment rate? Like almost ten percent at one mm-hmm. point. These these people were this fucking close to losing control of this country. So they had they anyone who thought that the fucking boomerang wasn't going to come screaming back to slap them in the face the moment they walked up those steps was just a delusional person. Yeah, but that I mean, with that being said, to a member of Congress though. Imagine if they had got to a member of Congress. Do you, with that with that being said, charges that would have been brought against anybody who had stepped foot in there at that point. If they had gotten to Pence, if they had gotten to Pelosi, Mm-hmm. You don't think that the, you think they would just had a conversation with him? <laughs> well, no. Um, so, so with that being said, I don't see I don't see the same concerted effort to go after the people that um, you know cause some of the most uh, the most violence with the BLM protests. I don't see the same concerted effort going after them as I do the people that. And I, you know, I guess. It's subjective, you know, how you compare destruction. But I don't see the same concerted effort. It's going towards the people of the BLM riots as the January 1st private. Thing on 6-1. Like I said before, the the BLM protests, 93% of them were peaceful. When you talk about the millions of people that had done that. So the Right, but you're also also comparing... Because it was... Go ahead and go. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Finish. I just want to point out, Petter okay, showed his okay, European name, side and went name six one. one. At a BLM <laughs> yeah. rally, though. That's the thing. You don't know those people. We know who the QAnon shaman is. We know who the guy who put his feet on mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi's desk are. Yeah. The fact that I know it and you know it means the government has to do them. That's mm-hmm. the point. You, mm-hmm. we don't know who those BLM people. Yeah, that's a good that point. shit happened yeah. in anonymity. That's a fair point. That's why. That's right. Why the, that's the difference yeah. right there. That's the answer. But but okay. So so my rebuttal to that. <laughs> my, no, and and I completely agree with you. 
And th- this is maybe more. And that's of a what question. goes back to the mass thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the, yeah. But the the uh, the point I'm making is 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 the coverage different compared you know one or the other? So we know everybody. You know all the big players in the January six riot. And you know, Patter, I know you. Uh, you said ninety three percent of the riots, uh, or not? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me reword that. Ninety three percent of the protests, right? Were you know peaceful protests? So that means you know only seven percent were violent. You know, you. you I, I. Is it fair to compare something that went on for you know what January? This was what six months of rioting at this point compared to a one day event. I mean, I think your your verbiage is wrong there. You, okay. When you're looking at numbers, when you have millions upon millions of people protesting over the course of six, eight months, and only 7% of those involved, when you talk about numbers, you talk about masses well, of Well, 7% of, people, of millions is a lot more. And right. drive and what they're actually looking to achieve from this, which is social justice, racial equality, uh, against police violence. This took one, one protest on January 6th for them to storm the capital of the United States. One day over the course of, what, six, four hours, if even that? Um, so when you're looking at numbers uh, and you want to compare data, then, it, you know, their, their free throw percentage is better, uh, talking about the 6-1 guys, than the <laughs> 7%. Yeah, they went straight for the jungler, uh, right? Rioters from millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I was going to say is I think, um, you know, from, cause you said, you know, you don't, you think that property damage is kind of like not, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're not really concerned about the property damage concerned to li- con- compared to lives, I believe is what you said. That's what Ramon um, say, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think from our perspective, I mean, I'd rather see, Every government building in this country burned down than, than one guy's gas station. Uh, because, you know, that one guy is, is ruined. That's, that's his livelihood. And he's, he's that's totally true. ruined after that. Those two things, those two things aren't a choice though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Like, I feel like there's, there's, a, if there's if there's people burning a gas station. But while we're on the running, while we're comparing shoot to. Ten, the front 10 lot, the line of protesters, 10 of them right in the row, everyone leaves and it was over. Because they freaked out and went crazy and murdered people. So then, but uh, you can't you can't make that same comparison of oh, can I burn every government building or just this guy's gas station? That's not a real life example. So That's so all right. So well, not, when you're talking about lives or property, you can stop property from being destroyed. You just have to kill people. Okay, and it stops. All right. So 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 with that being said, <laughs> and and th- this is just me again playing a devil's <laughs> advocate because. You know, you, Ramon came back again. Yeah, Ramon, you you, <laughs> you said you listened to a couple of episodes. You know me; I'm the devil's advocate. So, with that being said, do you support or detest what Kyle Rittenhouse did? And you know, I know we're 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 well beyond the whole January sixth document. Now we're just spitballing. We're just talking shit now. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm gonna sign off here in about ninety seconds. <laughs> let me give you my take on Kyle Rittenhouse. Okay. Because if you're gonna come across state lines, like Gage did, like Gage did, what? Like Gage did? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. No, Kyle Rittenhouse came across. Right. State so lines, yeah. Right? So did Go Gage, the felon with a pistol. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go so, ahead. Yeah, but I'm. You asked about Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, yeah. 
So you came across state lines with was it an AR? Yeah, but no. I mean well, state lines is twenty minutes. That's like from here to Sebastian. Like I'm at yeah, zero. I mean, yeah, he yeah. knows the rules. Don't you need to know the rules to purchase a gun? He knew he was committing a felony, right? Well, he didn't cross state lines with the firearm. The firearm you? wasn't his. It was in Kenosha. Oh, but go ahead. he got somebody else's gun. Okay, which is, which is which is which um, is the law, which is fine by the law. But go ahead. He was seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and then he he thought he was. With a gun, yep. he went down to protests that were clearly violent. Uh, and he well, yeah, they were they were pushing uh, dumpsters gonna... that were on fire into gas stations. So yeah, pretty violent, I would say. Yeah, they were they were clearly violent, like I said. So he thought that going down there, he would help the situation. I mean, a he was putting out fires and like rendering long? first aid to people, but was he? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. There's videos from him earlier in the day doing that. Water. What? And, and then he was like, he got scared and then shot three people. No, no, no. you got it wrong, bro. You got it wrong. <laughs> you got it wrong. There's FBI drone footage. Yeah, stuff. what do you mean? He went to go put a fire out and Rosenbaum, who earlier in the day told him, if I catch any of you motherfuckers alone, I'm going to kill you. You know, Rosenbaum chased him as he does as a, you know, a, a, a pedophile chasing <laughs> children. Um, you know, chased him down and... You know, he tried to grab for his gun, and, you know, our boy Kilo Romeo went to work. That's kind of how it is. This is me being a dickhead, by the way, just so you know. I'm just I'm just being like... Uh, yeah. The Rittenhouse thing, in my opinion, is like, in the discourse, is being talked about all from the wrong perspective. Like, everyone's talking about it from a legality standpoint, which, yeah, like, I've heard tons of people have the take, even on the left, like... Yeah, he's probably gonna get off. He got a legal kill. He's, yeah, he, he got a, he got a, he, get off. He's gonna. Yeah, he's a Zimmerman. He's good. Uh, but it, I, don't fair, I don't think that's a fair. I don't think that's a fair comparison. What we need to talk about what we need to talk about around Rittenhouse is: Are you okay with vigilantism? Period. Like, yes. that's what that yes, was. Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, one hundred percent. Are you or not? So, that's the only question. Yes. And my my answer to that is: Fuck no. If because, you're there to defend um, private property, and you're, not, I mean, as long as you're not instigating. Which is, you know, the, that's the biggest argument I mean, right now, right? You're carrying around a gun like that. that it, I mean, you're carrying a gun isn't instigating, though. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like if you try somebody with setting, a gun, that's maybe in Ireland. <laughs> in that setting, you're instigating. I, well, just, I, I, I disagree. When, when, when you have a, when you have a, when you have a situation where the police are, when you have a situation where the police aren't doing anything. What are you supposed to do? You just supposed to sit back and watch your, you know, your cities burn to the ground? I don't think it's instigating at all. It wasn't to, his city. What? It wasn't, it wasn't his, it wasn't city. his city. What are you talking? Yeah. It was twenty minutes from his house. What do you mean? What is it? Wasn't his city? It wasn't Not his city. city. No, the, I, I see, and and, and I, I disagree because camera months before beating up a girl in school. Did you see that video? Yeah, it turned out not to be him or some shit. That one it turned out not to be him. Did it? Yeah, it did. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. But no, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is I live... Okay, so so we... Right now, we're in Vero Beach, Florida. I, you know, I, I me, I live in Sebastian, Florida. I'm 20 minutes from Vero. Granted, I'm not crossing state lines. It's still 20 minutes regardless if I'm crossing state lines or not. If the, you know, granted, we didn't really have... You know, we 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 had a, a peaceful protest, right? You would you guys would agree we had a a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest, which I was in favor of. I I think you know the George Floyd killing 
I think most of us here were, uh, would agree that that didn't need to end the way that it did. All of us. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. of us, right? No, nobody here is in contest contention of that. <laughs> so, um, you know, if if my, you know, I I have friends who own v- own businesses in Vero. If they called me and said, "Hey, like, again, this is all hyperbolic because." The protest never got out of hand here, but if I had friends in Vero that said, "Hey, you know, we're we're kind of worried about you know our business being bur- burned down," you know, uh, you know, we know you and I, you know, you you guys may not know me personally, you know, Chris, but like, you know, we we both train to be proficient in self defense. Like, if they were like, "Hey, you know, we are worried about our business. Could you come and you know just kind of uh, you know just keep an eye out?" Me driving twenty minutes regardless of his state lines or not like should i like do, do do i really have no business being there if if um you know i was just trying to protect my community i mean what do we have, what do we have insurance for that's my yeah, question what, yeah that's what well, yeah saying. that's that's yeah. that's, that's, that's not an argument to me that's not an argument to me that's that go, that's a broken window fallacy is yeah that's not an argument to me that's not a broken window fallacy. Yes, a it is. That is, no, that is like the definition of a broken that's window fallacy. Of insurance. No. That's, the that's disagree. Wasted resources. <laughs> disagree. Uh, as much as the, the right the right wing tried to bring up a ton of propaganda around the time of the Black Lives Matter protests about, oh, insurance companies weren't paying out. Yes, they were. That was a complete fucking lie. Okay, uh, even if uh, they, they were, that doesn't were mean that it's okay. Payouts, the only people who weren't getting insurance payouts were people who didn't have insurance. Okay. So, okay. Well, okay, so what, you know, oh, yeah, and some people, shit, some man. people don't have insurance. So when people so get sick, them? if so they don't have insurance, that's their fault. Right? The decision is to <laughs> give a seventeen-year-old an uncle's AR-15 to, uh, you know, give out water and apply first aid to buildings. I don't see an issue with that. I don't see an issue with that. If he's trained proficiently in medical aid, which he clearly was based on the video, he shot a fellow who threw a plastic bag at him. <laughs> he, he shot. He shot a, he shot a fellow who grabbed his AR-15. Yeah, he didn't. He threw hey, the bag. Go, go up. Go up to a cop and grab his pistol and see what he does to you. <laughs> well, I mean, he was able to walk towards the cops then and not even get arrested. Walk towards the cop. He got tackled three times at that point. No, no, no. He he, wa- he talked to the cops before the shooting. Yeah, that was that was before. And then he what, like 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 two hours before he was able to go home and sleep in his bed. No, he yeah, wasn't. I'm not saying it was like right before. I'm just saying he that the what Patter's referencing happened w- before the shooting. That's all I was saying. Oh, did, okay, all right, uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. no, but fair. after the shooting, then he walked towards the cops with his hands with up, his, with his hands with in his, the air, right. able to walk home. Or, so, or, no, he was right he did not walk home. home. He, he went a million dollar bail driving. I'm yeah, not sure. He he went so home after he paid the ten percent of a hundred of a million dollar bail. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. Well, well he didn't pay it. He, no, they no, had no, to get, he, like, he, a GoFundMe. No, he got going. home and then turned himself in or got arrested, didn't no, he? No, he, he turned himself in after he shot Gage, or after he shot all three of them, I guess. No, I don't, I don't think... No, he, he left the scene and came back. No, 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 no. No, what do you mean? The cops were a block down the road. The, block, yeah, the cops were a block down the road. The SWAT team was a block down the road. He wa- He ran to them with his hands in the air. Yeah, and walked right past them. Did they rush him? Negative. Wrong. That is not what happened. It is 100% what happened. I mean, that is not I what happened. I watched it happen. But and also, he did, he did... We watched different videos, I guess. I don't know. Girl in, ...in school as well. Just What's that? Just to give a character reference for him. 
And then the last thing. No, no, no. What did you say? Go back. What did you say? Character reference. What did you say? He did punch that. He did punch that girl, by the way. That. I, I didn't see any confirmation that that was him. It could have been him. I, I really don't know. I, I, what I seen. Yeah, I mean, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. It could have not been. But I, I think don't think, I think that, I think that's besides the point. Yeah, though, because you gotta analyze the situation of. that actually happened. I mean, his character's kind of, I mean, you can kind of draw conclusions on what maybe he was thinking based on his, uh, you know, past actions and his character and things like that. But that's uh, kind of besides the point. In a, and I know Ramon was saying, you know, people are uh, bringing up legal, uh, legal arguments. But you know, when you're analyzing the situation, what actually happened? I think what his past is kind of besides and, the point. And I think it's worth noting: all of us here recognize that legality doesn't equal morality, and that's something that we always talk about on the show. So just because he's legal, you know, that 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 is an scapegoat for us to. You know, equate well, morality to. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, better. Absolutely. And what I was going to say, my, my last thing I'll say is that we're talking about legality here and whether he was right, and you guys are condoning the vigilante aspect of what he was doing. Not necessarily. Yeah, I want to talk. Yeah, I mean, you are essentially because what I'm, he did was. No, no. I, th- I think I think you're confusing us promoting vigilante with us promoting a kid that wanted to. Uh, I'm, uh, you, you, you guys will probably disagree with this, but we, we, we view it as we view it as a kid who we, we view it as a kid who wants to protect this community, and he ended up having. I, I know you're laughing, but this this is genuinely how we view it. We we view a kid who went in, who was cleaning up graffiti beforehand. He was rendering it first, uh, you know, medical aid to people. He was. Putting out fires and the people who were protesting, protesting slash rioting, didn't like that, and they went after him. And he used self defense, you know, as a means to yeah. defend himself. Well, that's the thing, uh, Petter. I oh, think so you're, the way you're seeing it is that he went me, out there with the intention up. to, uh-huh. like, maybe you know, use his gun. I don't, I don't think he had the intention to use gun. I don't think there's any evidence that he had an intention None. to use his gun until because he waited until he actually ran away. For quite some time, we got knocked down like two or three finally, times before that. Finally, caught up to him, and that's the only time that he uh, ended uh, up fellas, using the gun. I gotta, I gotta jump but, off. I have a sick kid. All right, no, 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 you're good. So you're good, no, let's man. just wrap let's it up. It we'll, we'll, Sorry, did, we'll, we'll, we'll gang rape pattern here. <laughs> no, no, I just no, I'm, I'm about to jump off too, but I want to say this and to, to wrap up yep. my point. Yeah, um, you guys are. In a, in a in a in essence, condoning the vigilanteism of what he was doing. I disagree. Because of what he did, right? So you're at the same time. There's another trial going on right now with Ahmad Arbery, right? Those guys who thought they were doing the right thing, which we were against, by the way. Picking, yeah, picking up, picking up. But like I said, the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions. Maybe Kyle Rittenhouse did have the intention of putting out fires, handing out water administering first aid but when you get swept up in something as uh hot as rioting or january 6th then you put yourself in positions where you're going to have to make these decisions that he's not trained to be able to make in in a split second disagree i think he looked like he was pretty trained to be there he 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 demonstrated to be there i'm not saying he was like professionally trained to be there but he demonstrated a Pretty clear, um, you know, target discrimination. He didn't shoot anybody that didn't, that wasn't attacking him. 
<laughs> One of the guys was attacking him. Uh, all three of them were attacking him. What do you mean? All three of the guys he shot were attacking him. Yeah. No, one of the guys was attacking him. All three of them. A danger to his life. Right, the, the guy, guy that hit him in the head with a skateboard, the guy that grabbed his gun, the guy who put a gun in his head. to shoot somebody. What's that? shot somebody. What's that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say he, he shot the other two people after he had already shot one person, so the other two people were then trying to disarm him. I disagree. Uh, Completely disagree. But, hey, okay. if I could just interject... Patter, I really appreciate you yeah. doing this with us. Yeah, That's this good. is yeah, this is fun, man. Like this is fun. this is fun to see the the two like, different sides of the argument. Yeah, we got into all right, we got into a little bit of a you know <laughs> off the cuff uh, yeah argument there at the end, but um, but nonetheless, I think it was in it's in good uh, you know good as you say in good intentions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah, I I think we we all like like we found out today. We all agree on a lot of a lot um, of things. important things, yeah. which I think you know, especially foreign policy, yep. we're uh, we're on the same page, which is great. Um, I think uh, you know we we definitely did, I think our the root of our disagreement on some of the domestic stuff has to do with I think. I think, which is what we kind of got into quickly, where we quickly uh, got away from it because it was off topic, uh, is our just our different uh, views on economics, and um, so I think we just have uh, you know vastly different views on that. We we think that you know private property is uh, as the, as essential as, as the guy in the Senate House said, it is sacred. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- so I think that's, that's kind of. <laughs> but yeah, no. Again, uh, we we appreciate you and Ramon coming on and and yeah, this was this fun, and, man. This was a lot of fun. It's great to just have this back and forth on kind of just differing opinions. I think a lot of us yeah. kind of started as uh, you know Republicans. And you yeah. guys, uh, I know Ramon started as a as a Democrat. I'm not sure about you, your roots. As you know, you're not. Uh, yeah, I don't think you grew up in the U.S. I'm a freedom fighter. There you go. <laughs> we, hey, regardless, we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this was a lot of fun, lads. I really we'll do it again. It. And I think this it's conversations like this that need to happen more often. For sure. And you know, people are able to have them and then be able to say, "I'll talk to you later." So I definitely want to do something like this again. Well, for sure. Um, I appreciate the time. And, uh, yeah, have a, hey. a nice time sitting out. Are you guys on the porch still? Or are you, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. man. We're hammered. We're hammered. We're, we're a bottle and a half in, bud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Nice. Do us a favor and tell him more that we love him. Irish one here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, oh, man. I yeah, yeah. with Patter. Yeah. Oh, but yes. We're all American. Yeah, you, you <laughs> gotta, you gotta come knowledge. down and hang out with it us, man. Happen, lads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. Like I said, when I retire, I'll probably head down. There. No, you yeah. do it before that, man. Do it before that. We got <laughs> places for you. We got places for you, man. I've been to Cocoa Beach before. Oh, that's not far. That's not far. Close to us. Close to us. It's a little dirty, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, hey, man. Good night. Yeah, Patter. thanks again, Patter. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. This has been a lot of fun. We'll definitely do this again. I think it's cool to have, you know, uh, you know, people with, you know, more or less the same ideas kind of come together with a little bit of nuance and have these kind of fun yeah. civil discourses. I think this is, uh, this is the most important thing, not this stupid duopoly bullshit that's going on in, uh, you know, the media these days. Right, there has to be space for nuance because yes. nothing is as cut and dry as it's made seem in, in sound bites and headlines. Right. Yep. All right, All right lads. All right.
Have a good night. Good night, man. Politics on the Rocks wants to thank you for joining us and foreign and domestic unfiltered on this episode number 25 for an awesome conversation. Continue listening to us. We'll have a lot of more uh, fun conversations with them in the future. Um, Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed your time here with us. Uh, Yeah. Enjoy our outro. Thank you.